It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life. On this Monday, April 15th, 2013, it is so great to be here with you on a beautiful, beautiful Monday afternoon here in New York City. And I hope it is as beautiful wherever you may be joining us. And who knows, maybe you're a uh, first-time listener or watcher of the show for a specific reason. We'll get to that a little later on. Joined in the back, as always, by Mr. New York Rick, Mr. Buzzkill Brandon, Will, Michael. They're all back there uh, doing great work, as always. And we have a stacked show, my friends. Of course, on Saturday night, it was the Tough 17 finale in Las Vegas. And what a card it was. From Katzengano's win over Misha Tate, from Kelvin Gaslam shocking the world and defeating Uriah Hall, from Travis Brown's illegal elbows or not illegal elbows. We call those legal elbows. We'll talk about that. And of course, Uriah Faber looking so good against Scott Jorgensen. Much to discuss on this show. We'll talk about Tough 18 uh, in particular, excuse me, 17 in particular in the third hour. We'll also be talking about Tough 18. In the third hour, Roxanne Modafferi, fan of the show, friend of the show, longtime mixed martial artist. She flew all the way from Japan to Las Vegas to try out for Tough 18. Of course, Tough 18 is the historic show that will feature both men and women in the house at the same time, 135 pounders. And now we know that Ronda Rousey, Katzengano will serve as the coaches. We're also going to be talking to Ulysses Gomez, who just told me that he is not allowed to try out for the show. Uh, of course, he was once a flyweight in the UFC, tried out at 135, or wanted to try out, and they just told him, he just told me this right now, they're not letting him try out, but we're going to talk to him anyways, see what exactly happened there. Uh, we'll also take a look at Rick's Picks Challenge, see how he did on Saturday night, and look ahead to the stacked UFC on Fox 7 card. We have a poll right now on the site about which which fight are you most looking forward to on Saturday? It's a great main card. Strike Force versus the UFC. Great undercard as well on FX. We'll talk about that in the third hour. We also want you to hit us up on Twitter uh, using the hashtag TheMMAHour or leave us some questions in the comment section below. Um, best one gets a prize. And also, today's pose of the day, you guys have been liking this? Well, it's an obvious one. It's Frank Mirface. Use the hashtag Frank Mirface. We've got some good ones this time. And uh, the prize is maybe, and I know I've said this a lot, maybe the best one we've ever had. Uh, it was just delivered to us this morning. I'll tell you about it later, but trust me, it's worth, it's worth your time, especially all we're asking for is a picture. Now, let's run down the guests here quickly. And of course, I am Ariel Halwani. Welcome back to the MMA Hour at around uh, 2.40 the internet sensation known as Tommy Toehold will be stopping by. So many of you have been harassing me to have this guy, this character, this I don't know what he is, a face. Looks like those Canadian figures on South Park. You know what I'm talking about. Very popular. Does a great job every Wednesday with his new episode. Uh, the Tommy Toehold show. He'll be stopping by at 2.40. 2.20. We'll talk to uh, Damon soon. Lorenz Larkin. He makes his UFC debut against Francis Caramont. And then at 2 o'clock, CM Punk. The former WWE champion, the guy who should still be the WWE champion. He was in attendance on Saturday at the Tough 17 finale. First UFC event that he took in live. We'll talk to him about that. 
John Crouch is the head coach over at uh, The Lab in Arizona. He's also longtime coach of one Benson Henderson, the UFC lightweight champion. Huge weekend coming up for Benson as he faces Gilbert Melendez for the UFC lightweight championship. It's a unification bout. I was thinking about this this morning. I think it's the first unification bout in UFC since 82. Dan Hendo versus Anderson, right? I think so. Anyway, we'll talk to John Crouch about the fight. Uh, at 120, we'll talk to Katzengano. Of course, huge comeback win over Misha Tate on Saturday night. But first, let us begin with the man of the hour, the man who stole the show, the underdog of all underdogs, perhaps the biggest underdog uh, to win the Ultimate Fighter in its 17 seasons. Uh, a great performance, an inspiring performance, and he joins us via the magic of Skype. There he is. Kelvin Gaslam joins us right now. Kelvin, how are you? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. You didn't believe us. Well, what, what is that? I've never had a, a tweet like that where someone didn't actually believe that he was going to be on the show. What's up with that? Why don't you trust us? <laughs> no, it's not that I didn't believe in you, man. But um, I just didn't know for sure if it's uh, <laughs> going through. So. Well, it's great to have you here. And first off, congratulations on an amazing win, an inspiring win, as I said. Where, you're, you're in Las Vegas right now. You're at the Tough Tryouts. Is that right? Yeah, I'm at the tryouts. I got my buddy. I got two buddies trying out, actually. So you're not there just to tell people this could be you one day. You're actually there to help your friends try to get on the show. That's right. Is it a little weird, though? I mean, you just came off the show. You were that guy just a few months ago. You see there's probably nerves in the building, anxiety. Yeah. Now you're kind of living the life. You're, you're on cloud nine. Is it weird to now see the other side of the fence where you were just a few months back? Yeah, man, it's a t totally, totally different uh, perspective from where I am now. And, uh, you know, I, it's just incredible uh, on the journey I've been with uh, since then. So this happened less than 48 hours ago. Can you put into words how you're feeling now? Has it sunk in? Or, are, are, you, are you a believer of this situation? What's going on in your mind? Uh, I can't even put it in words, man. I don't even know. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still speechless, I guess. You haven't been home yet, right? No, I'll be home uh, tomorrow. Was your mother in attendance on Saturday? Yes, she was. Okay, so uh, of course they had a great uh, you know, profile on you before the fight and whatnot. The, the, the discussion with your mom when you first saw her, what was that like? You were so emotional afterwards. You were crying. It was a great scene. What did she tell you when she saw you? Uh, you know, obviously it was very emotional. Um, she just said, you know, that I deserved all this, and, and congrats. Yeah. At what point did you start to realize that you can actually win this thing? Was it before you got into the house? Was it when you saw the competition after your first win in the house? At what point did you, did you really start to believe in yourself? Because let's be honest, it seemed like the coaches didn't. You know, you were the last pick on the team. Yeah, yeah I mean, I expected them to, to really pick out to to be one of the last picks, you know, I didn't really perform in my in my first fight to get into the house, so I kind of expected it coming in. But um, I mean, I don't know if I expected to win. I just expected to to go out there and, and fight hard each and every single fight, and that's exactly what happened. And um, the outcome uh, speaks for itself. Man. Why do you think you didn't perform well in the first fight to get into the house? Probably just the nerves. You know, the nerves got the better of me. I did. I didn't use my hands as much as I would like to, and, and just my all-around game. I didn't, I didn't get to, to really uh, put it all together very well, just mostly because of nerves. 
I kept hearing on the show that people were saying, like, in practice, you're going at 70%. You, you, you may not be giving your 100%, but then when you get in there, you're a totally different guy. You rise to the occasion. Do you think that's accurate? Uh, somewhat, I guess. I mean, I'm not in the, in the sparring room trying to knock people out. You know, I go in there trying to get better. So, so yeah, I mean, um, yeah, that's pretty accurate, I guess. So you've have you know you've been living on this sort of uh, big news story for the last few months where you couldn't tell anyone really you're doing interviews and whatnot but you couldn't tell anyone that you made the finals until last Wednesday. How difficult was that? Uh, you know it was, it was pretty hard. You know, <laughs> I really wanted to yeah it was and uh, but you know I, I kept it pretty simple for myself. I, I stayed away from from uh, all the big media stuff and just kept it pretty simple for myself, you know, and just trained hard and, and got ready for the fight. I know it's fresh, but do you have a sense now as to how your life will change? Do you feel like people are coming out of the woodwork? People are talking to you, bugging you, asking you for things, approaching you. Do, do, do you sense this? Yeah, yeah. It's already been going on all day today. You know, these, these guys coming up to me and asking for pictures. You know, just a couple of months ago, I was, I was in these guys' shoes, so it's, it's a new experience. So the people trying out today are asking you for a photo? Yeah. That's unbelievable. Is that surreal? I mean, I guess it is. You know, I, I'd be doing the same thing if I was in their shoes. So you're 21 years old. How do you stop this from getting to your head, from, from, from getting a big head because of all this? Uh, shoot, I don't, I don't know, man. I just, I just keep it, I just keep, keep it pretty simple, you know. I don't, I don't try to let anything get to my head. So you're, so you're, you're not the kind of guy who believes your own hype. Uh, no, I guess not. I mean, I have confidence in myself and, and believe I can do whatever, you know. I can, I can win fights and stuff, but I don't uh, go out there and overthink stuff and. I don't know. I just keep it pretty simple for myself. So let me ask you, do you think Uriah believed his own hype on Saturday? Uh, I don't think he did. You know, he did. You know, people are saying he didn't perform, and, and, and I, would, I guess I would have to agree, you know, um, mostly because, because I was putting the pressure on him and actually bringing the fight, which is, you know, what a lot of the guys didn't do. You know, um, Adam Sella was the guy that, that uh, brought the fight to him until he stayed really stationary in the last couple seconds and got caught with that clean kick. And then the other guys were just scared. And I wasn't scared. I brought the fight to him. But did you expect more out of him when you, you know, you, you've trained with the guy. You, you were on his, on his team yeah. for so long. So when you got in there and actually had to compete against him, were you thinking to yourself that I expected more out of him? Uh, yeah, kind of. You know, I expected it to be a war, which it was. And, um, but I expected more, more flashy stuff and um, for him to, to try and, and keep me away from him. But, uh, he, he, you know, he let me uh, implement my game plan more than he did his. So, you know, obviously it worked out in my favor. UFC President Dana White said that he mentally broke in the fight. Do you think you were the guy who, like, was it because of you or do you think he was broken going into it? Did you get that sense out of him? Uh, to be honest, I don't know what was going on with him. Uh, I, I, I really wouldn't know. Well, he said he had a hard time kind of getting up for you because he liked you so much and respected you. You were friends. Why didn't you have that problem? 
I don't know, man. I mean, I mean, we were in the same situation with every other guy at the house. He performed really well. Um, you know, he said he liked Dylan, and Dylan, you know, he beat Dylan and was able to perform. I don't know what, what the case was uh, this time. But for me, for me, you know, I go into the fight thinking that he's trying to take something that I got, and, and you know, I'm not going to let him take something that, uh, that I earned. And, and obviously, that's, that's, my, that's my mentality going into the fight. You know, obviously, I like the guy. And uh, we, we had a great friendship in, in the show, and, and we trained a lot together. But uh, for 15 minutes, you know, I got I to gotta make myself believe that, that I hate him. So it seemed like you guys were, uh, you know, you were obviously very respectful after the fight. You embraced. Did he say anything to you after the fight? He just said that, he, you know, he was very, very proud of me and, and that I deserved it. Yeah, and whose idea was it for you to try out for the show? Mine. You yeah, just... I was... I was yeah, I was sitting in in my office one day, and then I seen uh, an ad on MMA Junkie, and I was like, "Hey, I guess, I guess I'm gonna go, you know, try out and, and see what happens." I saw. Before that, you know, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Because before that, you know, I was struggling, and, and I was about ready to quit MMA for a while and just uh, get another job because obviously I wasn't um, doing so well financially, but I was, I was about ready to quit MMA for a while. Really? Despite the fact that you were undefeated, you had some nice finishes, why, why do you think that this was not for you? Um, I, I didn't say it wasn't for me. I just had to quit temporarily for, to, to get another job. You know, I wasn't doing so well financially. So if you didn't get on the show, you probably would have quit? Yeah, for a while. Wow. And, and, and do you think you would have come back? Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I, I know I've always wanted to fight, and uh, I'm always going to continue to fight no matter what happens. So what's for a while, like a year or two or, or more than that? Yeah, I, I would say I probably would have quit for about a year and then started easing back into it as soon as um, my, you know, my financial situation was well enough for me to quit a job. So was that was that in your mind when you were trying out? Was, like, did you put pressure on yourself? Did you say this is do or die for me? Yeah, kind of. You know, I was like, man, if I don't, if I don't make it, you know, it's gonna be a while until until I'm back in in a cage somewhere, you know. And and um, you know, luckily it, it worked out all in my favor. If you didn't win the show, do you think you still would have quit? Um, no, no. no. Because once you got on the show, at least you would have got a shot in the UFC, at least one fight, right? Exactly. exactly. You know, I saw an interview that you did uh, after one of your Rage in the Cage fights, and you said, yeah, it's time for me to go down to 170. And then after the fight, Mike Dolce tweeted to you saying, hey, let's talk about that weight class. Are you moving down to 170? You know, that's something that I haven't talked with uh, Dana, Joe, anybody. But, yeah, that's, that's, that's my, uh, what my next move is. So you're or what I want it to be. You know, I haven't really... Uh, talk to anybody about it yet can you make 170 are you confident you can make it yeah i am have you fought at 170 before no all my fights have been at 185 but um i know that it once once i get get uh you know the diet going and, and my workouts i'll be able to make uh, 170s for sure and why 170 though you just won the show you just beat uriah hall you look good at 185 why do you feel like you need to go down uh you know he felt real strong Uriah felt real strong, and um, I wasn't able to control him like uh, like I wanted to, and, and really finish the fight. You know that was the my first fight that I haven't finished uh, in my career, so um, you know 
you know, I'm not a point fighter. I go out there and I try and finish fights. So that's that's the only thing, you know, that he felt really strong. How was your cardio? The fact that you went 15 minutes, how'd you feel afterwards? Uh, I felt I felt all right, man. You know, I, I tried for to fight for 15 minutes hard, and um, I felt good. You talk to one of these guys now, and they say, you know, I'm not really sure about going on this show. I don't know if it's for me. I'm going to be away from my family. Why should they do it? What's the best part of being on the show? Obviously, winning and all that, but like as far as the experience being in the house and all that, what would you say to them? Yeah, the experience is awesome, man. You know, obviously, I'm surrounded by by a great group of guys. I think you know, all of Team Sun and and the Team Sun and coaches there, Coach Huey, Coach Clayton, Coach Scott, they were all there. And obviously, Chael, they, they they were all awesome. Man. It was a great experience. And, and, I would recommend it to anybody, you know. And you were okay with the cameras in your face and all that stuff? Uh, I mean, at first I was a little shy, you know. I, I was camera shy, which is why you didn't, probably you didn't see me uh, much during, during the show. You know, when the cameras came, I'd hide. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, towards the end, it was like they weren't even there. Any truth to the rumor that you performed so well on Saturday that you rose to the occasion because Ronda Rousey was sitting in the front row? <laughs> no, that's not the case. Did you get to meet her in person at the event? Of course, you met her before, but talk to her? Uh, yeah, yeah. I saw her at the uh, post-fight uh, press conference. Say What'd she hello. say to you? She said congrats. You know, yeah. She, she's yeah. Because she, you know, she, was, she was friendly with your eye. They trained together and whatnot, and, you know, so I was just wondering what she said. She said congrats. All right. That's all. You know, just wondering. It was a nice scene when she yeah. was talking to you on the phone and all that. People were wondering. Yeah, it was, it was cool. <laughs> so, uh, any... To, to a, of course. A, uh, any serious injuries coming off the fight? Uh, no, nothing serious. So no, when... just, just a few bruises. Yep. Here, and then uh, my leg. You know, he kicked, uh, he kicked the crap out of my leg. So when would you like yeah. to return? I'd say maybe in like four months, for sure. All right. Well, you deserve a break. You gonna go on vacation or something? Yeah, I'll probably travel around. Maybe up at. Um, well, hopefully, I'll be able to get um, to Chael's fight in New Jersey. All right. Well, hopefully, we'll see you there. Congratulations, man! A great story, a great performance on Saturday. Uh, one of the best in Ultimate Fighter history. Enjoy it. Good luck with your uh, your teammates trying out there today, and hope to talk to you very soon. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. It's been a long-time dream coming on the show. Pleasure. Great to have you on the show and enjoy everything that comes with winning the Ultimate Fighter. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. There he is, the winner of the Ultimate Fighter Season 17, Kelvin Gaslam. Great stuff. Uh, what's going on here? Hey, New York Rick, are you able to talk to me? All right. People emailing me in the middle of the show, it's like, it's hard for me to respond to your requests about guests and whatnot in the middle of the show. You know what I'm saying? Trying to focus here on the moment. Trying to stay in the moment like Mr. Kelvin Gaslam did on Saturday. So he defeated Uriah Hall. He uh, derailed, at least for now, the Uriah Hall hype train. And, and I know a lot of people will probably want to say, oh, he was all hype. Oh, we, we were pushing him too fast. I actually thought, all things considered, that he was very humble. You know, when people ask him a question about fighting top 10 guys and 
fighting guys above him. Well, he's going to answer it. And then if you want to run with that, you can run with it. There, there's nothing wrong with it. But I think deep down at his core, I, I don't think Uriah believed the hype. Maybe the moment got to him. You know, this is a guy who on the show, you know, it, uh, perhaps he was lacking confidence. And I think that Chael Sonnen deserves a lot of credit for being, in my opinion, arguably the best coach in the history of the Ultimate Fighter because this was a guy who you could tell just watching that he really he really was emotionally invested in his fighters. You know, he's there, he's giving them massages, he's loosening them up, he's giving them pep talks. Each guy he dealt with in a different way, and, you know, maybe it was a coincidence, maybe not, but both of his guys made it to the finals. And, uh, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. I, I didn't really expect anything less out of Chael. That's, you know, that's the kind of coach, that's the kind of... You expect that out of him if you know him a little bit. And I, and I really think he did a great job. It, off the top of my head, I'd say him, maybe Mayhem. Um, as far as the best coaches in, in, in the show's history, Ken Shamrock, no, I'm just joking, not Ken Shamrock. Um, those two come, come to mind. And, and I think he did a great job. And, you know, maybe Uriah, he wasn't around Chael as much going into the fight. Maybe the moment, Mandalay Bay, the crowd, all that stuff, maybe that got to him. I think obviously we'll see him back in the UFC. I'm curious to see how he responds, maybe with uh, with less on his plate, less attention, less buzz, all that stuff. You know, it's it, it's one thing to be kind of the the co-main event. It's another thing to be on the prelims and you know kind of work your way up. So congratulations to Kelvin uh, Gaslam, and uh, I'm curious to see what he does next. It seems like 170 is in his future. Seems like. That'd be better suited for him. Now, I forgot to mention. Um, just one second. I forgot to mention at the top of the show, of course, last week on the MMA Hour, uh, some controversy, of course, in the aftermath of uh, the Mitrion Minute, and Matt Mitrion got suspended indefinitely by the UFC, um, and uh, the media attention that it received. Going to address that in the third hour. Um, you know, now it's the interview time and whatnot, but I have not forgotten. I did say that on the show I will talk about it. Uh, I, I wrote that on Twitter on Wednesday, and that was that was a... Was it on Wednesday? I think it was Tuesday afternoon. That was a weird 24-hour stretch, but we will be addressing that later on in the show. Now, uh, coming up in a matter of moments, that's what I'm trying to deal with here as, as, as I'm trying to talk to you. Katzingano is going to be stopping by. And an amazing fight, an amazing performance out of Katzingano. If you haven't seen it, check it out on the Morning Report, which uh, my man Sean does so well each and every day over at MMAfighting.com each and every weekday. They aired the, uh, the walkout, or at least he had a clip of the walkout, which did not air on FX uh, due to the commercial obligations. And Katzengano coming out to the cage, this is something that I've never seen before, was bawling. I mean, she was, she was so emotional on her way to the cage, crying. It was, it, it was really an amazing scene. And had we, you know, ha had we have seen that, um, and they didn't really address it during the broadcast. One might think that mentally she was broken going in there. And maybe she got in there, you know, a little slow. Maybe the fight didn't start out the way she wanted. Misha Tate certainly came out 
guns blazing. But as the fight went on, obviously, she got more and more comfortable. You could see more and more confident. And then the third, with just a couple minutes left, she finished Misha Tate. Now, I know there were two controversial moments at the, at the end of the, the fight there. One, the hand on the mat. Was one of her knees illegal? Um, just seconds before the, the, the final knee, which finished Misha, Misha had... Fingers on the mat, it appeared, and I know there have been screen caps uh, or screen grabs been thrown around and whatnot. I watched it in super slow-mo, like maybe 30 times, and it is so close. It is so unbelievably close that it's even hard to tell whether or not her fingers, Misha's fingers, were truly on the mat or if it's kind of the slow motion that makes it look that way. It is so close, and you're watching it 20, 30 times via replay, via slow-mo. Remember, Kim Winslow is in there watching it in real time, has to make a decision. That being said, it's hard to have a problem with it. Now, as far as the stoppage goes, so the knee, the hand on the mat, I think she made the right call. It wasn't illegal. It's so incredibly close. If you have one of those things on your DVR where you can slow things down, um, on my remote, you just press play twice. If you have that, you can kind of go frame by frame and I must have done it 10 times. It was kind of fun. But it's, it's, it's so incredibly close. The timing of it all is just unbelievable. So it just, it's impossible to say that was 100%, 100%, 1,000% illegal niece. That's why I'm okay with it. Now, the, the, the finishing blow, the decision to stop the fight, I had a bit of an issue with. I thought that Misha was shooting. Obviously, she was in pain. Obviously, she was in trouble. I thought she was shooting. She dropped down desperately to try to get out of that situation. And Kim stopped the fight. Obviously, Misha was upset afterwards. I don't think it was a travesty. I don't think it was a complete robbery. I certainly don't think it was one of Kim's worst moments. But, you know, and, and, and she's had some, and I still don't think that she should be refing UFC fights. That's just the way it is. And I knew, 100%, I knew that there was a women's fight in Las Vegas. You just had to know that they would put her in there. And this was a fight with a lot at stake. This was a fight that there are many people watching. There was just so much. Not just, you know, the, 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 the tough spot. I mean, the second fight in UFC history, women's fight, all that stuff. There was a lot at stake. And just, you know, nothing personal. I just, I'm just not sure if she's qualified to be in that position. And I think Misha was trying to get out of the, the situation, drop down, and, and, and she viewed that as an actual knockdown. She was done from the knees. She might have been, but it didn't seem that way. So we're trying to get Kat on. I'm not quite sure what the, uh, the confusion is here, but there, there, there are emails being thrown around. There are text messages being thrown around. And hopefully uh, in the next couple of seconds, we'll get Kat on the show to talk about the win. And, of course, now she'll be on, on Tough 18 opposite Ronda Rousey. It was an unbelievable performance. She came back. Uh, two of the judges' scorecards had her down 2 nothing. So it was 20-18 to 18 going into the third to come back like that and all of a sudden be very you know calm, cool, collected, and then just pour it on Misha. It was very impressive. And as a result, she improves her... Her MMA record to 8-0, and and her life is about to change drastically as she has now accepted the role of being a coach on The Ultimate Fighter. So it's huge for her, and this is a huge time for her, and we appreciate her stopping by. I believe we finally got her. Katzengano, are you there? 
I am. Hi, Ariel. How are you? I'm doing great. Congratulations on the win. I'm going to ask you the same question that I that I just asked Kelvin, who won the Ultimate Fighter on Saturday night. Uh, less than 48 hours removed. How are you feeling mentally? You know, do you still feel like this was a surreal moment in your life? Um, I'm feeling really good, and it definitely was surreal. Uh, <laughs> that just one night felt like an entire week out of my life. Um, you know, we uh, went to the fight. It was it, it was emotional. I, I got to experience a lot of different things, and <laughs> the my after party Vanilla Ice performed. So it was like a it was like a complete you know picture out of my youth, and lots of friends and fans I got to meet and hang out with people that. I uh, saw fight earlier in the night, and it was just surreal. The whole the whole night was really, really awesome. Now, Vanilla Ice performing at your after party is almost as impressive as as your win over Misha Tate. How did you pull that off? Well, I really felt um, I don't know. I felt a lot of nerves and emotion going into the into the octagon. I was walking out there, and I was like, Oh no, I'm crying! Like I don't want to be. The girl walking out to the cage crying, you know, like, stop it. And, uh, you know, I got out there and, um, you know, I just, I, I kind of felt, uh, I don't know, I, I just felt a little, I, like I hadn't been woken up and uh, was watching stuff happen all right in front of me. Like I was uh, standing out of my body, you know, and uh, and Misha did a really good job of, I think, her camp of, of capitalizing on that, on coming out and, um Knowing they needed to be jumping all over me in order to to take advantage of those UFC jitters, and and she did good. And um, you know, I think she got that first round, and and uh, then that was the second round. Um, well, after the first round, she got up and she kind of shoved herself off my face, and you know, that definitely, uh, I don't know, that woke me up. You know, I went into the second round, and I had a lot more confidence, but still had a little bit to shake out of my body. And then um, after getting out of that arm bar, I was really looking forward to to uh, being myself and definitely could tap back into who I really am and, and started fighting my fight. And uh, the third round, I came out, you know, me, and I was really excited that that I got there, you know. Crazy. You, you just answered like nine oh. questions in in one answer there, but I, I don't even know if you heard me. No, no, it's great. It, it, it's uh, it's 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 amazing to listen to. But I, what I was asking was how you got Vanilla Ice to perform at your after party. I thought that was very impressive. Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> I we had a um, we had you know we had our VIP area, and uh, they said that he was he was going to the fights that night. And that he was going to be at the same after party. So I thought he was going to just be in the building like we were, uh, you know, having his little, having, having like a lounge and, and a, a cool area to be in. But all of a sudden he just came out and had an awesome performance in the little concert. And I was like, oh my God, like this is happening. Like <laughs> I just fought in the UFC, you know, I just won this contender shot. I just won the. And now I'm coaching on Ultimate Fighter, and Vanilla Ice is right here wrapping Ice Ice Baby right in front of me. This is really happening. It was, it was nuts. And then we went and hung out with him and the guys from Tap Out afterwards, and it was just uh, it was crazy. My life definitely definitely has changed in 48 hours. Oh, and it's going to change a whole lot more as 
as you go on the show and you become a coach and then eventually fight Ronda Rousey. Has that ever happened to you before where you were so, I, I mean, obviously you're an emotional person and you've been through a lot, but to, to, to show that kind of emotion before a fighter in a public setting like that, I mean, has, has that ever happened to you before, something like that? No, no. I, I mean, I've been nervous before, before fights, you know, where I've been in the back and I've, you know, I've had a little hard, a bit of a hard time kind of shaking it off. But by the time they close the door, you know, to the cage, I'm, I'm always, uh, you know, ripped and raring to go. And this fight, um, I don't know. It, it was, it was strange. It was definitely a weird experience. And I'm really glad that it happened because, you know, I learned everything through experience and not much from through other people's experiences, unfortunately. So, uh, I, uh, no, I'm really glad it happened that way because I got to I got to feel what it feels like to to be dominated and and on bottom and to you know take some elbows and and uh, I don't know just really have to pull myself together and, and tell myself I want it you know I I it was interesting listening to the fight because I watched the fight and um, having the commentators say you know, how dangerous I am on my feet and, and you know, my, my striking and that's a big threat and all this. And I was like, wow, I, I never really considered myself to be a striker. <laughs> you know, I know I have good knees and good elbows when uh, when people don't uh, protect themselves from them. But, um, like, I really never, you know, coined myself as being a striker. Um, so... You know, going in, in there and having my coaches say, you know, like that second round was too close. You need to go wrestle. I was like, all right, I need to go out there and just go do what I'm good at. You know, and so when I watched the, uh, when I watched the fights and I was seeing myself kind of get lit up on my feet, I wasn't really surprised because I was going out of my comfort zone to go try to strike. I wanted to knock her out. I wanted to hit her, and uh, you know, I've always wanted to get a knockout with my hands. And then, you know, when it didn't happen by the second round, it was like, all right, now just go back to what I'm good, good, you know, what I what I know I like and what I'm comfortable doing. And then that's why the third round became so dominant because that's just me and my personality right there. And it's like I had permission <laughs> instead of uh, instead of striving for these other things. Did you say anything so, to yourself? Did you think about anything to get back into the moment and? and not get so emotional about it? Or do you think it just kind of happened over time? Maybe she hit you a few times, you woke up, you understood the situation. I mean, how did you get back from, you know, because you're crying, you're in a different mental state than when you need to, you know, go out there and punch someone in the face. So how did you transition from the crying to the quote-unquote, you know, punisher, the killer out there? Well, I had, um, when I was in the back, I was warming up, and uh, there was a scene on, because we had one of the, TVs in the room when I was warming up and it had this it kind of panned into this part where I was at the gym and I was playing with my kids and we were doing like a hand slapping war you know and um I saw that and it just kind of like clicked in my head and I started hitting pads all hard and I started getting all rowdy back there and then when I walked out you know I I it's like the crowd hit me like a like a bucket of ice water you know and I was as excited to see them as I feel like, well, probably even more excited to see them than they were to see me. And it's kind of like being in high school, you know, and when you're looking at a piece of paper on an exam and, and you know the answers to it, but you just can't remember them. And I, um, 
I don't know, I kind of had that. And then as soon as, uh, you know, I got hit a few times and and I felt like I had been dominated a bit and that the round was too close, um, you know, I tapped back into that emotion of, like, man, like, I want my kid to see me do good at this. I want him to see that I, you know, all this work that I put into this, all this time that went into these last, like, eight weeks was was not for nothing, you know. Um, he's been looking forward to Las Vegas, and, and you know, I told him if I won, we would be coming out there for a while, and there's lots of swimming pools and all that stuff, and I didn't want to go home and say that I had lost, you know. I wanted to go home and say I, I had continued to be successful, and, you know, um, when in between the second and third round, my coach just sat, you know, in front of me, and he was like, I was too close, you know, you need to go finish her. And I was like, that's right, I am a finisher. You know, and so everything about that third round was about finishing her and making her quit. And, uh, um, I, you know, I have cardio and gas for days. It's never been a problem. I always start strong and finish stronger. That's how I've been my whole career. And I'm always the most comfortable in the later rounds. So uh, it was just, um, yeah, it was just a matter of waking up and, and thinking about, what my goals are that I left outside the cage and bringing them back into my mind and, and implementing them right at the right exact time. And I love that you mentioned your son. Of course, uh, you are the first mother to ever step foot inside the octagon, compete inside the octagon, and win a UFC fight. So that that's an amazing little trivia note that someone will say one day, and, and you should be very proud of that. Now, you mentioned that uh, you watched the fight, and I just want to get your comments quickly on, on two quote-unquote controversial moments. I addressed them before you came on, and I gave my take. Would love to hear what you say uh, about them. First, the I'm sure you've heard about it, that some people think it was an illegal knee, one of the knees that you threw, her fingers were on the ground. What do you think? Did that look good to you? Um, well, hmm. <laughs> it is controversial. Uh, one thing, you know, I, I really think she should drop it. Um, the knee is... Uh, the knee is something that I am very savvy to looking for. As soon as people get up to their feet, I know to uh, to lift them up. You know, if if they're if they're on their hands and feet, it's something that I would teach an Ultimate Fighter for sure. That uh, when they get to their hands and feet and they're they're in a position for their weight to be manipulated, to go ahead and pull up at the right exact moment that you take off with that knee. So yeah, you'll pull them up. Their fingers are barely let's hit the mat and then you're going to tag them in the head and they'll fall you know i think nisha should drop that it was an illegal knee you know because you know she she headbutted my knee and my knee hurts and uh that's illegal to headbutt people's knees so you know i'm gonna drop that so i'm just kidding so. <laughs> yes um of but it's uh I, it, I don't feel like it was illegal i feel like it was perfectly timed and um, you know, it's something that we train and it's something that I'll continue to train for and it's something I'll continue to teach. So, uh, you know, if you really slow it down and you look at it, it's exactly the way that um that that we train for and and you go by a frame by frame and, and you'll find people I mean, it's like splitting hairs, you know, but I know what it was, I know what it felt like and and I know what I've seen and what I've done and and I don't feel it a controversy. I feel it was a, uh, it was exactly the skill style and, and uh, form that, that I've been trained and that I, that I, 
know to do. And for the record, I, I agree with you on that point. As I mentioned before you came on, slowed it down a bunch of times, and it, it did seem like it was perfectly timed or way too close to call. I mean, unbelievable is slowing it down, you know, frame by frame. So for the record, I agree with you on that. Now, what do you think about the stoppage? Um, do you think that she was, you know, actually going down on her own, that she was trying to take you down, that she was dropping levels, or do you think that she went down because of the knee? Well, I was I was really trying to push that knee through her face, you know what I mean? And um, I was going to go right into uh, an elbow series right after that. Um, I think between the three of us that were standing within that radius, like we all knew that she was done. And I think that it's, it's um, you know, it's emotional to lose that way when she had had such a, a good performance in the beginning of the fight. But... Um, I wasn't going to stop going for her nose. You know, I wasn't going to stop trying to cave that thing in. And uh, it was it was only going to get worse from there. So I think that it was a good call for the referee to stop in or to step in and, and stop it because she was, uh, you know, she was taking a lot of damage. And, um, you know, they were all tagging her right where they were supposed to, and they were hard. Mm. But, um, you know, I think in Misha's defense, you know, she should have let it go and, and see what what could have happened in the next few seconds, which I honestly don't think was going to get any better for her. But, um, you know, yeah, like, it, it, you look at what happened, you know, she dropped, and, it, you know, when you shoot a double leg, you don't drop and then shoot forward. You right. know, if you're going to shoot, you're going to reach right for my legs. So, you know, um, yeah, she could have been shooting a certain kind of double for her, and I would like to have seen that maybe go a little bit longer just because I was on a roll and I wasn't going to stop there. But, um, and, and it sucks to have a controversial call. You know, you never like to hear, Oh, well that wouldn't have ended the fighter. That would have, whatever, you know, that sucks. I don't, I don't like hearing that. I, I, I walked away because I thought she was done. You know, if I didn't think the fight was over, I would have sat there and needed to be pulled off of her. But, between the three of us sitting right there and the damage Misha was taking to her face, you know, when the referee stepped in, that's why it was easy for me to just turn around and walk away because I was like, yeah, that was that was about time. You know, I, it was within a matter of a couple more strikes before I thought, you know, it was going to be beyond return. And, um, you know, yeah, so I kind of wish it would have gone a little bit longer just so there's no question, but I think that she did a good job keeping Misha safe. After the fight at the post-fight press conference, you had a face-off with Ronda Rousey, who, of course, you'll be coaching against and then later on fighting. And you guys got pretty close. I mean, she got up in your face, although afterwards she kind of laughed in the midst of it all. Uh, were you expecting that? And, and is there an issue there between you and Ronda, or was that just kind of selling the fight? I'm just ready to fight, and especially after that one, you know, like, um, I know I real I realize where I'm at right now, you know, like I just fought in the octagon, I just I just left some blood in there to go down with the history of the legends and the legacies that I've seen, and like I said, I needed to be woken up, and I got woken up, and now I see what's going on and and what's in front of me, and and I'm I'm gonna fight Ronda, and uh, you know I want to go get up and see in her eyes and, and look into her soul and see what she's got in her too. And, um, 
you know, I'm very lit up. I'm very excited about this opportunity that I just earned and, and I'm not taking it lightly. You know, there's, there's, I don't know her. I don't have any animosity towards her, but yeah, we are going to fight. And that fight starts now. It starts, it started as soon as, as my hand got raised. So, uh, you know, I'm, um, I'm really looking forward to fighting Rhonda. I'm really looking forward to training for her and, and, uh, well, not even training for her, training for me. And, um, I don't know, it, it was, uh, going from one to the other. And, and I feel like I could have fought her right there. You know, my cardio feels really good. My, my heart, that third round, I felt excellent. You know, it felt like, like how I wish the first round would have gone. And I, I think I could have gone all night on the cloud I was on, you know what I mean? So it was, a it was a cool experience to be up there and, and have that shot. And how do you feel about being a coach? Are, are you are you ready for that? And uh, do you have any idea who you'll be bringing with you to be coaches on the team, in, including will your son be a uh, an assistant coach on the team? You know, um, I am looking forward to being a coach a lot. You know, I I see that there's a lot of ideas. You know, people are like, well, I don't know if the guys are going to want to listen to girls or right. stuff like that. And I've never had a problem with that. You know, um, I there's been guys that have come into my program or that I've gone into other schools. I mean, I've taught seminars all over the world and, and never had a problem controlling a room or, uh, you know, giving people insight and, and, you know, even kind of developing a little bit of growth on their own personal style. You know, my objective is to keep everybody fresh and confident in what they have and hopefully teach them something by the end of the show. Um, other than that, just keeping their tools sharp and making sure that, they're headstrong and, um, you know, they're getting their good workouts, their good warm-ups, and they're staying mentally tough. Um, so I, you know, as a coach, I, I know how to how to keep things fun. I know how to stay encouraging while at the same time disciplined, and, and I think that that will all really be comforting for the fighters, both male and female. Um, I would like to bring my son, you know, but he's a six and a half year old, so you know that that could go in any direction for anybody at any moment. You know, yep. um, one minute you know he could be helping people count push-ups, and the next minute he could be mad at someone because they're not playing tag with him. You know, so like it it's uh, it's going to be a calculated how is he feeling today kind of thing. But he'll be coming um, out there with, with you though, right? In. Oh yeah, he's coming out to the sh- to the show. He's going to be staying with me. Um, that's something that's actually really important to have for me is have him there. And uh, you know, he's been training since he is, has, I mean, he's done jiu-jitsu since he was four. You know, he knows a lot about the game and he understands the moves and stuff. And he's done a lot of competition, so he gets that part. Um, and he's important for me to have around. He keeps me really happy. Do you um, want him to be a fighter? Um, You know, I... I don't want him to cut weight, really. That's the only thing. If he wants to fight, I, I absolutely support him. I want him to do whatever he wants to do that makes him happy. Like, right now he does piano lessons, and he played flag football, and he wants to do soccer this year. And all throughout everything, he still wants to do martial arts. He wants to do the jiu-jitsu class and the kickboxing and stuff. Um, I want him to know it for practicality and for safety reasons, so he will always have a way to defend himself and options of that sort. But, um, you know, if he chooses to fight, I will be in the front row every time. You know, I, I don't know 
I don't know how I'll feel. It's, it's, I'm sure it's going to be completely different emotions for me than watching my other fighters fight because he is my son, and it's hard for me to watch him do jiu-jitsu because it's just so overwhelming. Um, I, I love it. It's so cute and cool, and I'm so proud of him, but at the same time, it's I'm a mama bear, so I'm like, oh, please be safe. Nothing happened. Um, and, um, you know, so whatever he chooses to do in his life, I'm going to support him 100%. What whatever that is, and if he chooses to fight, you know that would be cool too. And he, he's got a lot of athleticism in his blood, so I think that it'll work out for him well. And you know, if you watch him roll around, he's a little version of me, so it's uh it's definitely possible. It's a big possibility. Well, Kat, uh, congratulations again. It was it was amazing. It was inspiring. I got to see the walkout today. Unfortunately, it didn't air on television it made me tear up and just hearing your story and for someone who got into all of this just to lose some some baby weight now here she is you know about to fight ronda rousey to be on you know she's gonna be on the show and all this stuff it's it's a it's one of the true great stories in our sport this year so enjoy congratulations good luck on the show i'm sure i'm sure we'll talk to you before the fight and before the show and all that stuff but uh again thanks for coming on i know you you're very busy and slammed and we appreciate a couple minutes of your time here today uh thanks a lot ariel it's good talking to you again all right, there she is, Kat Singano, the new number one contender in the UFC women's bantamweight division. She'll probably face uh, Ronda Rousey in December or so. The ultimate fighter moves to Fox Sports 1. That was announced on Saturday. Moves to Fox Sports 1 in September. The new channel coming out on August 17th. She'll be a coach. Ronda Rousey will be a coach. And uh, it should be interesting. I'll give you my thoughts on The Ultimate Fighter a little later on in the show. Let's transition now. It's a big weekend coming up for the UFC. Again, UFC on Fox 7. It is stacked. And the main event is Benson Henderson versus Gilbert Melendez. Unification bout. Lightweight champ versus lightweight champ. And now we've got the man behind the champ. The man who doesn't get enough credit in this sport, in my opinion. John Crouch from The Lab in Arizona. John, how are you? Good. What's up, man? I think what everybody wants to know is what kind of shoes are you wearing today? Well, no one has the best shoes. It's you see that that's that's that that's perfect for me. That's a perfect transition to my first question. Why do we always hear about? Why do we always talk to? Why do we always have on on shows like this the Greg Jacksons, the Faraz Zahabis, the Mike Winklejohns, guys like that? But we never have John Crouch. Where are you? When are you going to get the respect that you deserve? You know what? You just threw me in with a bunch of pretty good guys. I'm okay with them getting their props for. I'm good. They've they've earned their stripes for sure. You know, but it's good to be on finally. I thought you were just going to ignore me for the rest of my life and kind of sadden me, honestly. But it doesn't bother you at all. I mean, you have a lightweight champion who's looked impeccable. You're grooming some great guys. You see Misha Tate coming to work with you before her fight. Do you, do you ever think, you know, when am I going to get some of this attention? Uh, no, never. I don't really care. You know what I mean? I, like my favorite parts are the the preparation for fight. My favorite parts in the gym and teaching. The fights are they're okay. I mean they're celebrations of what we've done. I, I certainly am proud of those moments. You know, win or lose, I'm proud of them. But uh, my favorite my favorite deal is in the gym. So I'm okay with it. I'm I'm good. So Misha went to train with you guys in preparation for this fight. She lost. Why do you think she lost? What happened? I try to tell you know she they came and used the facility more than anything else. They were there for a little over a week, I guess, two weeks maybe, and uh, you know they had their 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 uh, game plan. They had their coaches in place, so it wasn't necessarily you know they didn't come down to to be part of the team, but to use the place and 
So I was proud of her effort, but I'm not sure exactly what went wrong. I feel like she could have been a little better conditioned, but that was more from, uh, you know, from a Monday morning quarterback sort of perspective. Sure. So will you be working with her in the future? Uh, that's, I, I don't think so. Um, I haven't heard anything. You know what I mean? They, they seem to have a pretty, uh, pretty set thing that they're comfortable with. Okay. So I guess we'll have to see. I haven't heard from them, uh, but I think they're, they're comfortable with their setup and they're, they're happy to be there. So, um, uh, maybe, you know, we'll talk about it. If it ever comes up, we'd be happy. I'd be happy to talk to her about it, but I haven't heard anything about it yet. Well, obviously there's a lot on your plate going into this weekend with Benson, uh, going to defend his title one more time against Gilbert Melendez, big unification bout. I just want to play a quick clip here, which I think is one of the best things to come out on the internet in years. I mean, this is an amazing clip, and I want to ask you about it and then obviously transition into Benson. We have the clip ready. Yep, okay, we got the clip. This is, this is you and Benson a couple years ago. You, you know the clip that I'm talking about, right, when, when, when Benson was just starting out and you had a discussion with him. What, what year was that? That was five years ago okay. in January. Five years five ago years in January. Ago. This is the clip in case you missed it. All right. We don't have the clip. The clip is basically, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. It's great. Um, that uh, you, you talk to Benson as he's, as he's kind of getting ready for a practice and you tell him, you know, you're going to be a star. You're going to be a star, essentially, and, and you knew it. And this is before he was even in, you know, like anything in WEC. What about him made you think that? Well, you know, at the time, uh, Alvin, the reason that I was mic'd up is because we were doing a, a documentary on Alvin Robinson who fought uh, Nate Diaz. So, you know, the I, I, I kind of forgot. You know, you do those kind of things and you forget you have a microphone on. But um, he had just finished sparring with Alvin and finished sparring with Joe Barris, who was also in the UFC at that time. And he had done really well, you know, and he was making great strides. And, um, man, he just, the kid worked so hard, he never missed a day. He cleaned the gym at the time, so he was really at the gym literally, you know, from 7 in the morning till 9 at night. And uh, just his heart and his desire to keep learning and getting better really made him stick out and seem like something special. It's such a great clip. I think we have it now. I really want to play it and show it to people in case they uh, they haven't seen it. Here it is. Check it out. It's very quick. You look awesome today. You're going to be a superstar in this sport. Remember, I was the first one that said that. Hey, I mean it. I think you're going to be phenomenal. You're going to be a household name if you want to be. You know, if you keep going doing the things you're doing, you're going to beat everybody else. Stay with you guys. Everybody. It's you, though, man. I mean, you got a big heart. You're a great guy, and you're a great fighter. I, I'm enjoying every. It's just unbelievable. It, it, that, that gives me goosebumps to listen to that. It's so heartfelt. It's, it's like a father talking to his son, and uh, now here he is fighting on Fox for the second time, and he is a household name. Is he the same guy now that he was back then? Yeah, you know, he's a, you know he was 23 when we started that, and he's, you know, 28, 29 now, so... You know, he, things have changed. Certainly, he's matured and grown up. He's a he's a grown man, and he he's in control of what he does. Like back then, he was still young and trying to figure out if this was really something he wanted to do. So, you know, he's changed a little bit. But as far as you know, he he treats people. He's such a kind guy. He always has time for people. He's always in the gym. 
you know, rolling around with people, giving people tips. He's, he hasn't changed a bit in that aspect, not one bit. And you're okay with him, you know, competing in jiu-jitsu competitions a month before a huge fight like this one? I get more nervous about it than he does. But <laughs> honestly, you know, we uh, the day before he competed in uh, the Pan Am tournament, he did six hard rounds with Jamie Varner, Efren Escudero. Um, Mike Chiesa was in town. Sam Cecilia was in town. Like, he went hard. He did, you know, our Saturday sparrings are, are to mimic the fights, you know. And uh, and then he went the, the jiu-jitsu tournament to walk in the park compared to that. I get more nervous for sparring. Uh, jiu-jitsu, I don't worry too much. He's not going to get hurt. Uh, he's fine. You know, if he gets stuck, he'll tap. It doesn't bug him. And uh, if usually he does very well. I mean, he went 2-1 and one that day, and he lost to the eventual champ. So it was, you know, not the day we had planned, but... Still, he, he loves to compete, Ariel. If he, you know, if you take that away, I don't think there'd be much fun in it for him. So it's fun for him to just go out and relax and, and compete like that. So right now, Benson, as champion or in title fights, obviously he beat Frankie at 144, came back and beat him again at 150, then beat Nate Diaz at Fox 5 in December. Now here he is fighting Gilbert, and it's an interesting fight, of course, because of the, the promotion, the, the unification battle and whatnot. But where do you put, because Gilbert's a bit of an unknown. We don't know because he hasn't fought UFC caliber uh, competition while in strike force, still, you know, in many people's top five, if not top three. Where, where do you put him as far as who Benson has fought thus far in the UFC? Do you value him as high, or do you think he's kind of a little below the Nate Diaz or the, the Frankie Edgars of the world? Oh, God, no, no. You remember when we came over from the WC and everybody said we didn't belong here? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just retarded for people to talk like that. Gilbert trains with the best people in the world, and all Gilbert does is win all his fights. That's it. Like He's won, what, 21 or 22 fights? So that guy is super tough. He's I, I can't think of anybody more deserving of a title shot than Gilbert Melendez. I have no problem. I think he's he's in a great camp. He's an awesome fighter. He's a tough guy, and uh, he deserves it completely. What do you think is his best attribute in the cage? I, I think it's his – honestly, like he's pretty good at everything. I wouldn't say he's awesome at anything, and I don't mean that as a, a, a diss. I mean it as a compliment because his real strength is his spirit and his, his I'm going to win this fight, his will to win, I guess, but he just is going to win. It's, he's going to do it no matter what it takes. And uh, I think that's a real strength for him. I don't know if that's an, an attribute that you can write down, but it's sort of an intangible that he feels like he's going to win every fight. And uh, that's the thing. That's, that's really hard to beat in somebody. If they feel like they're going to win, that's a tough thing to deal with. So I, I feel like that's his, his best attribute. What, if anything, does it mean to Benson to unify those belts, to kind of take over the, the strike force belt? Have you talked about that at all? Not even for a second. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't matter at all. It didn't matter. You know, it. It really doesn't matter who we fight. It's all about just winning our next fight. Like a big thing in my gym, where I say all the time is, I just want to win the next moment. You know what I mean? I want the next five seconds. That's all I want. So that's all we're focused on is this next fight. You know, we're going to go out and try to win round one, and then we're going to win round two, and then we're going to keep going from there. So. Uh, it's cool, I guess, and it's going to be, I think Ben said it once, it was a really great way. In retrospect, it's going to be really fun to look at. You know? huh. But as we're, as we're traveling down the road, we're not looking at that stuff. We're just trying to win. We're trying to do our best and win the next moment, win the next fight. 
So what about his future at 155? Because you hear more and more that he's not enjoying this cut. And we know, you know, it, it's always been a bit of a grind. And recently said he was interested in a fight against GSP. Do you think that th- there's a chance that he may move up, vacate the title, and, and, and just fight as a welterweight in, in the near future? No. Um, you know, the super fight, it came about, like, we'd love to fight GSP. I've been talking to Ben about that for a couple of years, actually. It's been in our long-term plans for a long time. And uh, because GSP is the best, he's the best, you know. And, uh, you know, try to fight somebody like Anderson Silva, who walks around at whatever, 215, he's just a lot bigger. You know, not that we would necessarily turn down the fight if it was the right thing and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But GSP is the next weight division up. And he's arguably the greatest fighter of all time. So why wouldn't we want to challenge ourselves to beat somebody that's that great, you know? And so, you know, that's how that came about. And it, it kind of happened early, you know, like we, we want to make sure that we're the 55-pound title holder for a while and that we're cemented in. You know, GSP's done a lot and deserves everything he gets. Um, but would love to fight that guy. But I don't think a move to the 70-pound division is in this. In the cards. The cut's going good. He's actually lighter than he's been in quite a while. Oh, okay. So everything's going good there. Yeah. In the past, though, did he have issues with it? Not really. He just doesn't like it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, what? Who does? If you ask every fighter, every, right. Yeah, exactly right. If you interview every fighter, every single one of them is going to tell you the weight cut's the worst part of their career. And so he hates it. And, you know, he delays and, and he wants to, he always says he wants to be on weight for about three seconds and then start getting fatter again, you know? Right. So so he kind of waits till last minute, and, you know, we've been over by half a pound, but he dropped it in, you know, 10 minutes and was back on the scale. So I, I don't think it's a problem with can't make it. I think just to get to be so tedious for these guys, and it's so difficult mentally and physically that they're just tired of it. But I don't think it's a – it's it's no more of a problem for him than it is for anybody else. Okay. You're, you're, you're a straight shooter, so I know you'll, you'll tell us the truth here. Back back in December against Nate Diaz, was he fighting with a toothpick in his mouth? I didn't see one. Did you? Yes, I did. I, I saw it afterwards, but I, I don't remember. What do you don't remember? <laughs> you guys are crazy. What what is up with that? I mean, we've seen him train. He's talked openly about it. How how are you comfortable with that? I mean, it just makes me feel uncomfortable just watching it. He's done it since he was in college training. I, I've tried to get him to stop doing it. <laughs> you know, and. Uh, and he hides it from me, the shape of his mouth and his mouthpiece. I've, I actually physically tried looking. I checked his mouth a few times early, and he hit it, and I didn't see it. I really didn't. I opened up his mouth, literally. I, I put my nose in his mouth <laughs> looking for it, and I couldn't see it. And then later in the match, it popped out, and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> so I, I gave up. I, you know, he's a grown-up. He's going to do what he does. Uh, but uh, he's, he's stopped doing it as much. So I'm hoping it'll stop forever. <laughs> has, has there ever been an accident? Never. Wow. That's amazing. That in itself is impressive. He's an impressive guy he's to begin a, with. He's got, I, I know this sounds funny, like I'm some scientist, some dental guy, but uh, he's got a shaped mouth. That, it, the toothpick stays on the side of his gum. It's stuck in there underneath his mouthpiece. So it's not, I mean, I'm not saying it's safe. I, like, who knows? But, but it stays in there pretty darn good. I couldn't find it, I'm telling you. I'm not sure a lot of homes, but I couldn't find it. You know, you have an amazing story, an amazing backstory. One of these days we'll be able to, you know, peel off some of those layers when there's not a, this big fight coming up. 
But, uh, you know, getting a black belt from the legendary Hoist Gracie, things like that. But when you started this journey, you know, many years ago, did you think you would be in this position, you know, the coach, the right-hand man to one of the best in the UFC, grooming people, you know, uh, fighters coming to you from other camps to, 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 to learn more? And, 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 yes, we joked at the beginning that you don't get the attention, but clearly the, your star is rising. The lab, people talk about it. They know about it. Benson has helped put the, the whole team on the map. But did you think this would happen? Did you, did you foresee this happening to you? No, I really, uh, you know, I didn't start teaching MMA, I guess MMA, whatever. I, I taught Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and, and then a kid came into my school. He was 17 years old. His name was Alvin Robinson. He said, I want to fight in the UFC. And I go, well, okay let's give it a shot and with you know 10 jiu-jitsu guys in a in a little tiny gym he made it to the ufc and uh, ben henderson came down because he liked alvin robinson and my friend called me and asked me if we wanted to teach at this gym in arizona and so here we are so no i had no idea i honestly stopped watching mma after the early days you know once they added rules and weight divisions i was like oh come on <laughs> And so now, you know, when Alvin came back in, I actually started watching it again and trying to study it and learn it. And uh, here we are. But no, it was, in no way, shape, or form was it in my mind. So when you stopped watching and all that stuff, what did you want to be? Like, what, what was your goal in life? Uh, I was just teaching jiu-jitsu. Okay. It was good just being a jiu-jitsu instructor, you know. Um, and uh, I, have a, I had a good time with that. I really enjoyed my time at the Gracie Academy. And uh, I had some great teachers as far as how to be a teacher you know what i mean i definitely could have been a better competitor i wasn't very good or decorated or anything but uh i had horian gracie and alio i had a lot of classes with alio gracie wow and i learned how to be uh, like it really helped me be a better teacher and i'm really appreciative and i i think about them every time every fight as a matter of fact uh, i have a alio gracie t-shirt on underneath my my sponsor t-shirt because I want to fly the flag every single time. Wow. That is unbelievable. Last thing before we let you go, John, we appreciate the time. Who's the next Benson Henderson at the lab? Who's one guy that you're really excited about or girl that we may be talking about as champion in the next couple of years? God, you know, we have a 45 that's been here a long time. His name's Chris Gritzmacher and uh, he is a tough son of a gun and he is 12 and one. He's on an 11 fight win streak, nine finishes in a row. Last two people have been Frank Gomez and really Delgado. And uh, he's a monster. I can't wait for him to get in the UFC, but it's really tough to get in there now. You have to take a, you know, you have to kind of sign up for one of those last minute fights. Yeah. And hope for the best. But he, he deserves to be in there. He's tough. He beat, you know, Demarcus Johnson came down from uh, Utah the other day and was sparring with Grits. And he came over to me and goes, Who is that little son of a bitch right there? Wow. <laughs> And, uh, and he was like, man, they beat me around the gym, which is not entirely accurate, but still, like, he's a tough kid, man. And I really, I, I can't say it enough. I'll shout it from the rooftops. I think he's going to be a mess for people at 45. All right. Well, we'll look out for him. Uh, before that, though, Saturday night, Fox UFC Saturday. It's uh, Benson Henderson versus Gilbert Melendez, the main event, live and free on Fox, unification bout. John Crouch will be in his corner, of course. Can't wait for it. Good luck to you, John. Great to have you on the show finally. And I'm sure I'll see you down in uh, or over there in San Jose this weekend. I was about time you gave me a little respect, Ariel. Come on. You deserve it. <laughs> I I'm in the wrong, no, long no. overdue. 
You know what, man? I'm a big fan of yours, and I, I really appreciate the time, buddy. I'll see you there. All right, there he is, John Crouch. Uh, check him out on Twitter. JCBJJ is his uh, Twitter handle, one of the best in the business. Now, on Saturday night, let's go back to Saturday night in Las Vegas. It was a great show for the UFC, the Tough 17 finale, highs and lows, great fights, unbelievable performances by the likes of Katzengano and Travis Brown and Uriah Faber and Kelvin Gastelum. And while I'm sitting there watching this on television, all of a sudden, UFC television, UFC programming cuts to the man I still consider to be the WWE champion, the world wrestling entertainment champion, the best in the world, the voice of the voiceless, CM Punk on WWE, excuse me, UFC TV. I was that confused. I can't even get it right. Well, he joins us right now. We're, we're out to, to get some answers here because we got a lot of questions. CM Punk, are you there? I, I am here. Aren't you sick about talking about Saturday night already? No. That, what? That was just less than 48 hours ago. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about it. <laughs> uh, what were you doing there? I was en- enjoying some fights. I've uh, obviously been a, a huge UFC fan for a long time. I've never been able to, uh, they don't let me out of the house too often, you know. Um, I had a free Saturday, and I was there celebrating uh, my, my girlfriend's birthday, so we, we went to the fight. That was your first live UFC event that you took in in person, right? Yeah. Now, compared to what you do, WWE puts on a great live event. What do you think of the live event? Um, well, it's funny because I, I found myself sitting there um, coming up with ways to, to, to sort of make it better in my own head, but that's just because that's what I do. But, uh, you know, I, aside from a lot of downtime in between fights, which I understand why the, you know, that is, I, I, I enjoyed it very, very much. The, just the live atmosphere. Everybody in the organization is super, super friendly and inviting, and they made me feel like uh, I was sitting in my living room. You know, it was, it was a great time. But now I got to ask, what would you do differently? You know, I would I would try to put a big clock somewhere so people can uh, keep uh, keep a track of the time within whatever round it is. Uh, I found myself looking up at the, the big screen. Uh, try to keep track of times, and you know the screens. The, the, they got those huge, you know, monitors and TVs and the arenas and stuff like that. But I'm, I still found myself straining to look at the, the time. A couple of those rounds felt like the longest five-minute rounds uh, I've ever witnessed. But uh, I'm sure it felt longer for certain people that were in the cage. What do you prefer now? Now that you saw it live, because there are some who say, you know, I like hearing the announcers and and all that stuff, and just getting the different camera angles. Live event versus TV experience, which do you prefer for a UFC event? Uh, well, I, there's, there's pros and cons for both. Uh, I definitely enjoyed myself Saturday night. Um, it was, uh, it, I had really good speech, too. You know? uh-huh. so, I, can't, I can't really complain. Uh, I wasn't obstructed by anything. Uh, I, I got a, a clear shot of the cage. Uh, and, uh, you know, but watching at home, you do. You get, you get the better camera angles. You get some replays. You get to hear the announcers. Uh, I got to hear the corners um, sometimes, uh, you know, yelling and screaming. I, I thought that was interesting. So that was that fun. Who impressed you the most? I think Kat Zingano. Mm. You know, I knew she was tough before, but just watching her live and watching her demeanor change from, you know, her, her kind of tearful nervousness, like walking into the octagon, and then coming out in that second round and like flashing a, a double bicep pose, <laughs> and like 
all of a sudden gaining confidence and, you know, realizing that, you know, she had this fight. I, I thought I, I was super, super impressed. Was the crowd as hot for that fight as, as it seemed on television and, and more so than any other fight? Because on TV, it seemed like they were more interested in every single move in that fight than all the other fights combined. Yeah, I think so. It, it definitely, the, uh, I, I think the energy in the entire place went up when the, uh, when the girls uh, you know, got locked in there. I, I definitely think uh, women's MMA has not only come a long way and has a, a long way you know, still to go, but it's probably the most exciting dynamic fights you're going to get in uh, for the future, at least in my opinion. In your world, is there something to be learned from this? Because, again, in your world, uh, the women's wrestling is pretty much non-existent these days. There wasn't a match at WrestleMania. I mean, there are no real stars. Do you think they're looking at this and saying, wait a second, we should invest some time? People people like watching women compete against each other. Um, are they looking at it like that? Probably not. <laughs> should they be? Yeah, probably, maybe. You know, but, I, you know, the big, big difference between what I do and what, you know, what, what the fighters do. But, uh, you know, also, I've had this discussion with you many, many times. Also, there's there's a lot of similarities. And, yeah, I mean, the, the women are red hot right now. You think that uh, on, on the pro wrestling side of the fence, you try to capitalize on it. Famously, uh, last year, you wanted to walk out with Chael Sonnen before his fight on Fox, and uh, that was... Uh, I guess Vince McMahon put the kibosh on it, your boss over at WWE. What did they think of you being not only there, but being shown on television? Did you get any any heat for that? No. I have, nobody, nobody really talks to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like you? What's going on? I mean, I, no, I, no so I, I, don't, I don't think it's an issue. Uh, I just think, um, uh, you know, before it was, uh, hey, let's do this. It'll be fun. We'll be in Chicago. Um, and... You know, for whatever reason, it, uh, he, he put the stop to it. Uh, this was just a, uh, you know, hell, I was in, I was in Vegas. There happened to be some fights. You know, it was. Uh, oh, you know, can I can I say something? Um, yeah, Calvin on earlier. Yeah, um, I I I think I wasn't so much interested in that fight. There was kind of hype around uh, Uriah Hall and everything like that. And I I sort of thought it was going to be uh, way more one-sided than it was, and uh, that fight was infinitely more entertaining for me because I was sitting in front of Kelvin's tent. Mm. Was his mom so there? They were... Um, yeah, I believe his sister's and his girlfriend. I don't know if I saw his mom. But in between rounds, I was having a time of my life, like, leaning over, going, geez, you know, that first round was pretty close. I think I'm going to have to give it to your eye. <laughs> like, they were just... You know, they were like, who is this guy? Like, what? Wow, what an it was, asshole. It was was, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. It was, it was fun messing. I thought you were going to say that you were enjoying the moment with them, that you were rooting for him. You were actually trying to spoil their moment. No, I was rooting for him, but I, was, I, I had to be a wise man in between rounds. It was, it was fun to watch their reaction. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, is this, is this your first interview since WrestleMania? Um, I, I suppose so. I mean, WrestleMania was like, what, like four weeks ago or something like that? Was it? I thought it was last weekend. You might be right. I don't know. Well, even if it isn't, for my own ego, I'll say that it is, and I'm, I'm very proud of that, and I appreciate you coming on. A lot of people want to know what's up with you. Uh, you know, are you injured? Are you unhappy? Are you leaving? We're straying over to the dark side here, but there are a lot of people tuning in trying to find out what's going on with you. What, what is going on? Are, 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 you still, are you still on the team? Nobody cares about that. They want to know what I think about Travis Brown's uh, supposed illegal elbows <laughs> to the back of Gonzaga's head. Nobody cares about what, what me or, 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 or what I have to say about 
what I do. Come on. What are you, what are you doing? Okay, you're right. You're right. Silly me. What do you think? Were they illegal, the, el- the elbows? Uh, I, I think he was already out, uh, and the, the positioning of his head, you know, obviously when he slumped, switched, and you might have got him with one or two that were illegal, but the, the ones that knocked him out were completely illegal. But on the flip side, though, just because, okay, fine, he fell, he fell, but that doesn't really give you the right to kick someone in the balls. You know, like, you can't just do something illegal just because the guy is out. You still have to control yourself, right? I think it's a very gray area. Uh, yeah, I think I think so. It's a super gray area. It's like Nisha um, is also claiming that she get hit with the, uh, an illegal knee, right? Yeah. Um, you know, when, when you're in there and... There, there was one time she got hit with a knee clean, and, and Misha immediately, you know, dropped to that three-point stance. So these were illegal. Um, you, you know, so I, don't, I don't know if that that one snuck in there or, or what. I mean, obviously Winslow was right there, and she was yelling and screaming the entire time. So I'd like to think if something happened that was illegal, she would have jumped all over it. But you can't really blame Kat. It's not like she did it on purpose or was malicious about it. She, she's in there fighting, and she's doing what works. Uh, and to me, that's what wanted to fight. You know, those, those, those last couple of knees that she took, that Misha took, were, I mean, that ended a fight. I think the, 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 the knee wasn't illegal. I think it was an early stoppage. I, I don't think she was out. I think given the stakes, you got to give her some time. Winslow is known to, I mean, she's actually very, she's very, uh, what can I say, inconsistent. I mean, you, you never know what she's going to do. Either she lets a fight go on too long or too short. That time, I thought it was too short. Really? Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I wouldn't want to see Misha take another one or two of those, those knees. They were horrible. Now, you, uh, you were sitting there watching it, and I, and I heard you were at the press conference when you were taking all this in. Did you start to think, man, I could get used to this. This, this is something that uh, appeals to me. I, I want to be a part of this. Did you think that uh, at all? Oh, what, to be like a journalist, you mean? Like <laughs> you do, and like sit there and, and ask uh, stupid questions to the people who just got their brains beat Yeah. Up? No, well, that and actually being one of those people who got their, their brains beaten in. Um, oh, God, I don't know. You with your hard-hitting question. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what I'm known I, for, right? I need, that, I need that round clock uh, above the octagon. That's what I need. Oh, you're you trying know? to get out of here. No, no, not at all. Am I trying to change the subject? No. <laughs> so um, what about Cole Miller tracking you down via Twitter and all that? And he finally found you, right? <laughs> Yeah, he did. He did. What did he say to you when he saw you? Because it seems like he's a really big fan. Yeah, huge. Um, we just took some pictures and hung out and bullshitted for a little bit. You know, he's a nice guy. Does that make you feel weird when a guy who's kind of your age, who's a fighter and all that, is, is such a big fan of yours? Does that make you feel at all a little strange? Kind of my age. I'm like 10 years older than him. Well, you look. The, you actually look a lot alike. I'm ancient. Um yeah, I, I, you know, I just think it's cool. Uh, there, there was actually plenty of, uh, of fighters who uh, were happy to see me and excited. Get out of here! You know, we got the we got the swap stories. I know it's weird, right? You know, um, a lot of a lot of fans were from the UFC, and so it, it, it's cool to get to finally meet everybody. And you know, I'm, I'm fans of a lot of those guys, and it, it's nice to uh, share stories and get the books with everybody for a little bit. Did you meet Dana? Uh, I met Dana before. Yeah. But did you talk to him on Saturday? Uh, a little bit, yeah. What did you guys talk about? 
uh, just the fights, and you know, he he was he was happy that because uh, we always discuss how I can never come out to one of these things. So ah. we just discussed. The, he said he was happy that I was I was finally there, and you know, I said you might not be able to get rid of me now. Oh, what do you mean? I don't know. I, I you know, like I I got to go to my first show. I I definitely don't want it to be in my lap. Oh, okay. I I wasn't quite sure if you meant you know on that side of the fence or on the other side of the fence. If you know what I'm saying. No, I don't. What are, you, what are you talking about? Well, there's a fence in between where you were sitting and where the the actual fighters were competing. So maybe you were saying, you know, get rid of me. Dude, you know what? They're, they do need they do need some, some better refs. So maybe maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe I will make the transition via via a referee. Okay, a couple more things, and then I'll let you go. And I appreciate it. Are you being sponsored by the Gracie family or what? Because you're wearing that sweatshirt everywhere. You you're essentially putting them on the map here. What's going on? Do you just like the sweatshirt, or no. is there a deal in, in place I, here? Um, Henner always asks me that if I, uh, if I just don't have any other clean clothes, uh, no, I just, uh, you know, I, I think, I think people need to know, you know, uh, I, I, I represent the, the, the family and, uh, jujitsu because, uh, you know, I love it. And people ask, ask me all the time, like if I, if I roll or if I had that awful question, do you train bro? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, this is, this is what I do. You know what I mean? And, uh, I, I, I it's just. I guess it's just me and what I do, and I've done it before with other friends, and you know my friends are in bands. I just I rep the T-shirts, uh, I rep them uh, on TV. You know, there's a lot of eyes on Monday Night Raw every Monday, or you know whatever. So it, I, I like to expose people to uh, maybe something that I I feel they don't have in their lives that they need in their lives. Speaking of which, Monday Night Raw is in South Carolina this evening. You'll be there, right? Yeah, I'm on my way there right now. Your big return. What, what, can you give us a preview? What do you What do you have on your mind here? What, what are you going to get off your chest? I don't know. I, they're giving me one of those live microphones again. Oh. So we'll see what happens. Wow. Well, we look forward to that. But you're health. Are you healthy? Are you okay? In all, in all honesty, not about the the. I just want to know. Are you okay? Uh, I, I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. If you oh. ask me, if you ask me that question tomorrow, oh. I'll be able to answer it better. But uh, you know, because I don't, I don't know if I'm going to address that tonight or, or anything. All right, um, and you did get the you did get me. You got the scoop. You got the the first CM Punk interview post WrestleMania, but I don't want to divulge too much. Okay, got to get people to tune in tonight to USA, and uh, you know, see what I have to say. Okay, last thing, I got to ask you this: the Fandango craze. What do you make of this? Is this is this the greatest thing to happen to wrestling since your uh, your infamous promo in Las Vegas, or is this all a big joke? Oh, I, I definitely don't think it's a big joke. I just want to see if the momentum can. Uh, you know, can can sustain itself. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of that has to do with uh, the predominantly European crowd that we had last Monday night. You know, kind of like the leftovers from WrestleMania. You know, people bring their families, they make a whole week of it, they hang out, and so they go to the show that's after WrestleMania. And I, I just think uh, it's very akin to how they, they, they start soccer chants when they're at, the, you know, the, 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 the football games and everything. Um, and I love it. I, I think it's great. Fandango is awesome, you know. So if we can get South Carolina, you know, singing his music tonight, I definitely think we're on something. Um, if we don't, I think it was uh, more of uh, more or less the crowd kind of just enjoying themselves. It sucks that I fear that they're going to screw it up. Like you see something great develop out of nowhere organically, and then in the back of your mind, you're thinking, "Well, how are the people behind the scenes going to screw this up?" Hopefully, they don't. You know what I'm saying? Wow, you must. You, you must be a wrestling fan. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to go there. 
Uh, I appreciate the time, man. All right. It's great having you on the show. Thanks for what's that? I, I said I, I was I was going to put you over and say that I'm always here for you, but then you cut me off. So oh, now no, whatever, whatever, Ariel. Hey, whatever. One of these days, if that if that sweatshirt gets a little too stinky, maybe you'll wear one of my shirts. Helwani knows in front of millions yeah. of people. Maybe. Are you going to be in? Uh, are you going to be in San Jose next week? I am. Are you? I don't know yet. <laughs> well, that's a tease. Tune in. Tune in. Tune in to Monday Night Raw on the USA Network tonight to find out. Can't wait. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Anytime, buddy. Thank you. There he is. The best in the world himself, the man who was supposed to break the Undertaker streak, CM Punk, stopping by. He was in attendance on Saturday night. That was a great plug for UFC on Fox number seven. So tune in if you want to know what's happening. And if you don't know about this Fandango thing, yes, it's pro wrestling related, but this thing's everywhere. There are people. I see the Houston Texans uh, cheerleaders doing this dance. I'm seeing... Who else did I see do this dance? Uh, something very random. I saw uh, there's tons of videos online of people doing this guy's music. Uh, they're, 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 they're humming his music and dancing to it. It's, it's actually kind of fun. Um, and we'll see if that translates. So if someone comes out to that music, uh, a UFC fighter, I'm waiting for a UFC fighter to come out to punk song, Cult of Personality. I think that would be awesome. Anyway, we appreciate him stopping by. The first interview of his since WrestleMania last weekend. That's a big deal. That's a big feather in our cap. Now, we talked about UFC on Fox 7. That's this Saturday night in San Jose. The Shark Tank, HP Pavilion. One of the guys who will be making his UFC debut on that card is Lorenz Larkin. He, may, he makes his debut against uh, Francis Carmont from France, now living in Montreal. Lorenz joins us right now on the MMA Hour. Lorenz, how are you? Pretty good, man. So chillin'. you're chilling. Not a worry in the world. Oh man, you know that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you do. You're five days away from your UFC debut. This isn't your typical Monday, is it? I mean, I mean it's a, it's not too different than you know what I'm used to. You know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, more eyes on me, but other than that, you know, it's just it's the same thing. It doesn't feel different at all. Uh, not yet, you know, I mean, pretty sure, you know, to me, maybe it's, maybe it's little things of, you know, bigger increments, you know, maybe more media and, and things like that, but, and, um, maybe, you know, more people at the arena, but other than that, you know, I'm, uh, kind of getting kind of used to it. So, the, you know, the bigger, on the bigger stage. This is a big stage. It's going to be a great crowd. It feels like, and I don't know, do you guys, I don't know if the fighters feel this way. We'll find out later on this week, but this feels like UFC versus Strike Force. Like the first time the main card is all, you know, UFC versus Strike Force bouts. There's, there's a couple of them on the undercard as well, including your fight. Do you get behind that kind of thing? Like, does that, does that make things a little more interesting for you? Or at this point, every man for himself? Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it is every man for itself, but, uh, yeah, you know, that's what it is. It's strike force versus uh UFC type of thing. But when and, you when you see the strike force guys doing so well in the last couple of months, that has to inspire you, no? Yeah, no, I mean it's it's good for the aspect of you know, from you know, people on the internet, you know, all the keyboard warriors saying that, you know, that uh strike force was a feeder league and you know, things like that. So yeah, it justifies, you know, when people say stuff like that, so you know that yeah, that that's good. You know what I mean? 
So you haven't fought since July of last year. You were supposed to fight a couple of times. The end of uh, Strike Force was a little rocky. How frustrating has this year been for you? You're in your prime. You're not injured or anything like that. And now here you are having to sit on the sidelines. Yeah, you know, uh, it sucks. But um, I'm just glad that, you know, be in UFC now and, and hopefully be able to fight more more times a year, you know, than, than I was. You know, because I, I like to fight as long as I'm in shape, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, I just want to get in and, and get in as many times. Not as many times as I want, you know, because that was the purpose I'll be fighting every weekend. But you know, at least at least three times a, a year, you know what I mean. How do you feel about uh, Luke Rockhold these days? <laughs> Next question. <laughs> That's it. That's how you feel about him. That's how I feel about him. So, so you still feel like he was ducking you? I don't. I don't care anymore. Does that? Over I mean. It. You see him fighting Vitor Belfort in the main event. You're fighting on the prelims. Does that bug you? No. Not at all. Do you have any kind of theory as to why this fight didn't happen? Do you, do you believe strongly in, in one way or the other? Ariel, I don't even care. You don't care? <laughs> I do not care about Luke. All right. You, you, Whatever. Do you, you want to fight him in the UFC? Once they make it happen, then, you know, it'll happen. But you're not thinking about him. Not thinking about him. What about Francis? Are you impressed with him? He's looked good in the UFC thus far. Yeah, you know, he's uh to me, you know, he's one of the, the top prospects, you know, that hasn't really broke the top ten yet. But uh to me, you know, he's a top prospect in the UFC. He's on a four fight win streak. And, you know, that's that's good in well in my eyes, you know what I mean? And um he's on the seven fight win streak, you know. Uh, including his fights, you know, out of the UFC. So yeah, you know, he's he's doing good and and he's doing what he needs to do to to maintain his position, you know, as far as you know his status. So it's good, you know. I'm fighting against a, a, a real good guy. What do you think of uh, his performance in his last fight? Because th- there were some people who thought he lost to Tom Lawler. Yeah, I mean, and in, in my eyes, that that fight he did lose. Oh yeah, but you, you know. Um, that's how the judges scored, and um, you know when you leave it in the judges' hands, you know sometimes things like that happen. But you know what, what can you do? And he walked away with the win, so I guess you know. Where did you train for this fight? Uh, just at my gym in uh, Millennium MMA out in Rancho, and um, and I did a little bit of cross training with you know Bisping. Yeah, that's what I was asking. How long have you been training with him for? Um. I've helped him out with um, two camps now. No, um, two camps. Two camps, you oh, said? Two camps. Sorry, three. Oh, wow. So you've been with him for a while. Yeah, no, not too long, but yeah, yeah. Three, about three camps. I've been helping him out. So He's so, helped me out. So at, at 185 these days, is that are, are, you, are you 100% certain that that's the best place for you? Um... For right now, you know, yeah. I mean, who's to say down the line? You know, I, I always said that, you know, I would never go to 185. Here I am. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see maybe further down the line. Well, uh, I don't know if I stay also I stay or we'll see. How tough is the cut for you? Um, physically, not that bad. Mentally, 
that's a little hard. How so? Uh, like food. <laughs> I, I have like relapses and stuff. Oh. Uh, you know, eat, eat some pizza and, and things like that. So when's the last time you had pizza? Last night? Yeah. Uh-oh. So. <laughs> How much do you weigh now? Uh, right now, I'm like two, 200. And that's normal for you, right? Yeah, I like to get on the plane at 200. Now, like a uh, post-fight meal, what's the best one for you? What's your go-to meal? Do you have one? Uh, post-fight meal, oh, I know um, I'm going to be rating uh, the nearest Taco Bell out there. Taco Bell? You can do better than that. Yeah. And, uh, just if, and probably get like 12 of the Tw- Cool Ranch tacos. 12? For sure. 12? Oh, yeah. In one 12. sitting? One sitting. Jeez. I do work, man. What's your What's your all-time best? And what? You, you said you could do worse. So, like, what's worse than that? Oh, no, I, I, I do work. Oh, you do work. You do work. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I'm very surprised with fighters. I was talking to uh, Jorge Masvidal last week, and he was saying how he's craving McDonald's, Mike Ricci the same. How can people who their their bodies are their mecca, that, that, that's how you make your money, that's your living, how can you put that stuff in your body? Because, you know, it, it, it's, it's when you get a little taste of it, you know what I mean? And, and it's hard, man. I mean... For some people, you know, they think, you know, that, that you know, that we make money and we wouldn't want to put that stuff in our bodies. But, you know, it's kind of like, kind of like saying we should never eat ice cream. You know what I mean? It's like we deprive ourselves from that stuff for like, like for a whole camp. You know what I mean? And, and some guys can't even cheat. You know, some guys have really hard weight cuts and you can't cheat. You can't have none of that stuff. I mean, it's. It's one of those things where if we're able to eat McDonald's every day, we would. But since that, you know, that we have to stop and, and make sure that we can't eat that stuff, then we want it so bad. You know what I mean? Why do they call you the monsoon? The monsoon? Um, well, I got it from uh, my, my older brother's name is Monsoon. His real name is Mon- uh, Monsoon. So, um... You know, when I think about nicknames, when I was, you know, as an amateur, I was like, you know, that'd be cool, you know, it's like a tropical storm, so that'd be cool to use and give him a little credit. So that's that's how your brother actually spells his name, like the same way as your nickname, like the, the, the natural disaster, the yeah. monsoon, yeah? That, uh-huh. That's amazing. Monsoon Larkin? And the, uh, nah. Have to that. Okay. It's one of the coolest first names I've ever heard. I've never heard that first name oh, before. Yeah. I know Gorilla Monsoon. You've heard of him, of course, right? Uh-uh. Gorilla Monsoon? Gorilla Monsoon, one of the greatest pro wrestling uh, play-by-play men of all time. Uh, I haven't heard of him. Oh. Um, in your early days, I, I can't... I can watch wrestling, too. Yeah, and you never heard of Gorilla Monsoon, him and Bobby the Brain Heenan, Jesse the Body Ventura... He was the man. Yeah, Ventura. Yeah, I heard of Ventura. He was the other guy. He was he was the Mike Goldberg. Oh, uh, okay. 
I remember in your early strike force days, I'm not sure if you did this in, in your last fight in July, you had designs in your hair, right? Yeah, no, I thought I, I have every fight. The Riverside Bell. Sorry, say that again. You have it every fight. What? Yeah, it's the it's the Riverside Bell. Oh, what is it? Yeah, well, that's what I wanted to ask you. So, the, ex- explain what uh, that picture is. Yeah, it's 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 the the Riverside Ring Cross Bell. It's like um, it's our city symbol. So all all across like Riverside, it's viewers were to drive through it. They're, they're on everything. They're on the walls, buildings, signs. Street lights, they're on everything. So it's the same. That's it's the same simple. design every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, always repping, repping the ribs. I like that. You know, I used to like a, a basketball player named Anthony Mason, who always used to do different pictures. So, would you ever consider maybe doing different things, or are you always going to stick with that? Nah, always, always going to stick with that one. Yeah. All right. Well, I like it. Do you have it in your hair right now, or do you have to wait like to the day before the fight? No, today I look rugged right now because I don't I don't uh, shave or cut my hair when oh. I'm in camp. So I'm gonna get my hair cut today. So I can be all fresh for tomorrow. But is it still gonna look you know as pronounced by by Saturday? Oh yeah, you know I, I freshen it up a little bit. All right, you know before Saturday. Is it true that you tried out for the Ultimate Fighter a few years back? Yep. What year was that? Oh, I believe that was, I want to say 2010 or maybe early 2011. It was, it was back when they did, they were going to have a 185 and 205 season and they kind of just canned it. They didn't, even, they didn't ever, they never did it. They had all the tryouts and never, you know, went on to Oh, no, no, they, they just did 185. They canceled uh, the 205 season. So you didn't, it's not fair to say that you didn't make the show circumstances worked against you. No, I didn't make the show, man. All right. I mean, yeah. Okay. I was, uh, why, so whatever. Why, why didn't you try out again? Was it's You're kind of soured about it? No, no, no. It was cool. I mean, it was cool because I got to tell Data, you know, my whole little story about it. So... When did you tell him that? Cool. I mean, huh? When did you tell him that? Oh, no, I seen him um, at the Fighter Summit. Um, well, it was not last year, but it was the year before that out okay. in uh, Vegas. I just pulled him aside. I told him, you know, but I tried out, and um, I didn't make it. Was a, I didn't make it past the first, the, like, the first round. It's like rolling, and the second round is like mid work and, and things like that. So anyway, I didn't make it past the first round. And this guy that I knocked out in, like, four seconds in my first pro fight made it on to, like, the later, like, interviews and things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was just talking about, but, yeah, man, you know, I was sour. I thought I thought you were a dickhead. You know, I was, wow. you know, I was like, man, F the UFC. You know what I mean? I was just mad. I told him, I was, you know, I was just mad. But, you know, maybe it was for the best because, you know, it kind of lit a fire under my ass. And I was just, I was just like, you know, I'm going to get there fighting, you know what I mean, instead of, you know, I'm not, and not, like, putting, you know, sand on anybody as far as, like, if they make it in the house, make it to the UFC, you know, all, you know, all praise to them, but I was just telling them, you know, that, uh, that it just kind of made me just think about, it, like, yeah, I'm just going to fight, and, uh, and then 
and then they're going to want to put me in the UFC. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, here you are. Now, you mentioned uh, yeah. you got the hair, the same hair. What about... What about the uh, the attire? You usually go with the the sort of gladiator like shorts. Are you going with that again? No, I'm going normal, man. A lot of, a lot of people like to grab them grab oh. the back, like when you know when you're against the cage, they like to grab the the little uh, castles or whatever. So you're done with it? Yeah, I'm done with it. Man. Oh, I was looking forward to seeing that in the UFC. Yeah, it would be fun too, man. But it's just when they get you against the cage, man. They would say, and they, you know, they have like maybe a underhook. They like to grab it, you know, and you can't really see it. I mean, the, the guy who has it on can feel it, but you know, the ref can't see it. Things like that. Yeah, that it's like a football player with long hair. It just doesn't seem worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 exactly. Final thing: How do you see this fight playing out? Uh, you know, my hand raised and um. Me just trying to make a splash in the UFC and, and, and you know, um, showcase my talent, you know, just on a bigger stage and, and get more people, you know, want to see more, more of me fight. Well, I look forward to it. If anyone's seen you in uh, Strike Force, always entertaining, exciting, somewhat flashy. And uh, for the record, I'd like to see you fight Luke Rockhold. Just want to throw it out there. I know you don't want to hear that, but uh, just wanted to let you know. All right. Well, good luck on Saturday, Lorenz. Thanks for coming by. All right. Thank you, Errol. All right. There he is, Lorenz Larkin. Demonsoon stopping by here on the uh, the MMA Hour. He makes his UFC debut on Saturday night against Francis Carmon. As I said, it is a great card. Uh, on the main card, you have Jordan Meehan going up against Matt Brown. You have, of course, Josh Thompson versus Nathan Diaz. Daniel Cormier versus Frank Mir. And the main event, Gilbert Melendez versus Benson Henderson. And right below this video, if you're watching the show live, we have a poll up there. And I'm curious. I'm curious as to which fight you're most looking forward to on the main card of those four. We'll talk about the undercard a little later on. And right now, it's kind of neck and neck between the main event and the co-main, expectedly. Uh, Frank Mir, Cormier, as I see it right here. Let me freshen this page up here one second. So fresh and so clean. Uh, yeah, 40% Frank Mir, 44% for Benson versus Gill. So weigh in. Have your say. I like the poll. It's very interactive. It's a people's poll. I like it. It's fun. Now, speaking of liking things, I'm a big fan of our next guest. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, you people have been, and I say you people, yes, you people, the ones out there, have been harassing me to get this guy or this person, I don't even know what to, I guess it's a guy, uh, on the show to... To, I don't even know what you expected out of the situation, but I can tell you I'm very excited about it, and I'm curious to see how this whole thing plays out. He is, of course, Tommy Tohold. He is the brains behind and the host of a very popular internet show. If you're, if you're watching the MMA Hour, if you're listening to the MMA Hour, it's a very good chance that you know who Tommy Tohold, Tommy Tohold is. Uh, you've seen his YouTube videos. You probably follow him on Twitter. But in case you don't know who Tommy Tohold is, here's a quick little snippet of what this character is all about. I think you'll understand why. Oh, there you go. Here we go. Fans, <laughs> welcome to Triple THS. I'm the great and powerful Wizard of Oz, Tommy Toehold. Today, Tough gets nasty. The ladies gear up for Friday night. Big Gus gets dropped. And we'll celebrate Chiel's birthday. Plus, if you're a comment of the week, let's do this shit. There you go. So there's a taste of Tommy Toehold. More to come here in this interview. Great to have him on the show. Tommy, are you there? I'm here. 
Well, you don't sound the same. So what's going on? Is this is this Tommy the character, or is this the brains behind Tommy? Uh, this is the guy behind Tommy. Wow. Uh, I am a guy. I'm not a girl. This is a worldwide exclusive. Yes, absolutely. Is this the first time you've done a, an interview at a character? Um, it is not. I've oh. done uh, a few here and there, but uh, none on this scale, uh, most definitely. All right, so it's not an exclusive. <laughs> uh, we can call it whatever you want. All right, fair enough. Now, uh, are, are you willing to tell us what your name is? Uh, I am not. <laughs> I am not willing to tell you what my name is. Why not? Uh, well, you know, when I first started doing the show, uh, I was actually, I used to be an English teacher. <laughs> so I kind of thought, you know what, if I get back into education, uh, maybe it wouldn't look too great uh, in a job interview if I was a uh, cursing cartoon. So I kind of kept it incognito. Uh, but now, because it's kind of like blown up and it's this whole thing and everybody wants to know who I am and people think I'm Dana White, people think I'm you, people think I'm you know, Santa Claus, I thought it's kind of cool to have this mystery about me, so I'm just going to keep it going as long as I can. I think that's a good idea, and, and I certainly respect that. Now, you, you mentioned when you started the show, and I, I was looking at your, 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 your first episodes. You know, the character looks different. He sounds different. Um, before we get into all that, how did you even come up with this? Because it's a, it's, it's a very unique thing, and the fact that you pump them out every week is, is to be commended because th that's a lot of work. Thank you. Yeah, it is. I don't, uh, honestly, I wish I could tell you I'm some awesome creative genius, but it was sort of an accident. Um, I wanted to do like just a, a blog for YouTube, so I had a camera and I set it up, and it was called Polling Guard, which is just a horrible name, and uh, I was basically just me talking about fights, but the, the video quality was so terrible, I really couldn't use it, so I thought, okay, well, uh, I have a good microphone, and I've got Photoshop, so I made a little animated character. Actually, I, I stole the first character, uh, just used it from some website that makes avatars, and then once the show got uh, a little bit bigger, I thought, maybe I should make my own, so I took the time to draw Tommy and, and do all that, but uh, it sort of just fell into place by accident. It's really... Uh, I wish I could tell you that there was some great inspiration, but it just kind of happened. Now, how long ago was this? Uh, just a year ago. Wow. All this in a year. That's unbelievable. Did you ever expect that it would turn out to be what it is today? I mean, we've seen Ronda Rousey wearing your shirt, Invicta Wayans, you're all over the place, fighters talking about you, Lorenzo Fertitta tweeting you. I mean, you're a big deal. Yeah, I, I did not expect any of this at all. Uh, this was just something I was doing for fun on the side, and then it started blowing up, and then I'm talking to all these people that you know, I watch on TV. It, it was crazy. I had no idea that this thing was going to do what it did. You know what's amazing listening to you right now? I hear Tommy, you, you, you kind of speak very quickly and that's kind of his thing, but I just hear like little, I, I, I hear the root of it all. So now I know it really is you. Yes, it is. Yeah, I do, I do sound a little bit like Tommy. <laughs> do, you, do you alter the voice at all? Uh, no, uh, I just do the voice. Uh, actually, all the voices on the show are me. The only voices I alter are when I do a girl's voice. Um, I increase the pitch because I, I just can't do a good girl's voice. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's all me. I don't really do any altering. As far as, like, the speed goes, because people say, how do you talk that fast? Like you said, you can tell I kind of do talk quickly. Um, but uh, as far as, like, the editing goes, I kind of take out the spaces in between phrases that I'm doing into the microphone. So there's a little bit of editing as far as that's concerned, but everything else is actually me. So give us the process here. When do you start working on an episode, how long does it take? <laughs> Um, I, I always want to start on Tuesday night after the Ultimate Fighter ends, um, but I end up starting probably Wednesday morning because I can't, you know, there's a little bit of a process at the beginning just kind of thinking about it and not really doing anything. Uh, and then I write the show. Um, I do all of the Photoshopping, so I make all of the fake interview images. Uh, then I record the audio. I get all the images I need. Then I start putting it together. Uh, I would say the process generally takes anywhere from 16 to 24 hours. 
and I usually do it in one block. So there are times where I'll go an entire day making the show. Wow. And without sleeping or anything like that. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I've definitely lost quite a bit of sleep doing this. Have you ever had a fighter or some kind of fight personality reach out to you and, uh, you know, they were offended by something you did, said whatever involving them? Uh, no, I think generally speaking, the fighters get that it's kind of tongue in cheek. And, you know, I, I even put a little disclaimer uh, underneath my videos that says, you know, look, I don't have any disrespect to these fighters. This is just something fun that I'm doing because I enjoy the sport. Um, I, I do. I've had maybe one or two fighters that didn't really appreciate uh, what I was doing. Um, but for the most part, I've, I've had a lot of really positive response. Who are those fighters? <laughs> um, I, I don't really want to. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know if he didn't like it or not. Um, I know uh, Tito blocked me on Twitter. What? Uh, and I've never even, <laughs> I never even sent him a video. But I think a lot of people did because I did a, an impression of him doing a press conference with uh, Cyborg. Um, but, you know, like I said, generally speaking, it's been nothing but great response from the fighters. For the record, I think that was my favorite segment of yours. That was pretty... <laughs> what's, what's great about it is you're so timely, and you do this every... I mean, when's the last time you missed a week? It's, it's amazing that you're, you're timely and you're talking... It's like how South Park is, right? I mean, what's great about South Park is that they're kind of mocking things that happened recently. It's not something that was put in the can a year ago. I think that's part of why it's fun. I mean, there are other reasons as well, but you get my point. No, I do. I agree. And, and that's why I kind of do the show as late as I can before Wednesday, because if a story breaks, uh, even Wednesday morning, I've had times where a story breaks on Wednesday afternoon or something like that, and I'll have to you know, put it on that show that night. So, yeah, I do like to be as relevant as possible. And because the quality of the show is so um, low, you know, low end, it, it makes it uh, I'm able to do that. I'm able to make the show in a pretty uh, short amount of time. Now, believe it or not, one of the first times that I realized that, wow, this guy's actually, he's doing great work and he's getting noticed, was uh, I had a conversation with Bruce Buffer about you. And he was like, oh, this guy's great. And he said he was going to have you uh, or the character wear his It's Time Industries shirt. And I think he kind of hooked you up with Crave, things like that. Was he one of the first people in the sport, as far as you know, the, the well-known people, to recognize your talents and, and give you a bit of a push? Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, Bruce has been tremendous. Um, yeah, I mean, really, you know, when I first started doing the show, I was trying to get people to see it, so I was sitting at the fighters, but then I realized that that wasn't the right people, so I started, like, kind of looking for media people, and uh, really the first person um, that ever kind of really started it was Steffi Daniels from uh, Bloody Elbow, and she kind of got things rolling, and then Bruce came along, and Bruce has been tremendous in building it up, and uh, yeah, I just had some help along the way from different uh, MMA personalities, and it's been tremendous uh but yeah bruce has been absolutely great so is this your full-time job right now uh no uh, i want it to be um <laughs> i do i've started selling shirts and i'm doing okay with that and uh, uh i haven't really monetized the videos on youtube because i don't know i'm kind of iffy on that right now but uh yeah i do like freelance writing freelance videography weddings stuff like that so it allows me to have this kind of schedule but like i said that really wasn't my plan at first i used to be a teacher but uh, the school district I was in had uh, budget cuts, and they had to uh, cut a bunch of young teachers, and I just sort of ended up floating in all these odd jobs, and that's when Tommy got created. So you, you must have loved Here Comes the Boom, right? Oh, yeah, it was great. Well, because of the whole teacher angle. Oh, yeah, no, that was very cool. Yeah, it was definitely cool. B both things that I really enjoy, uh, education and MMA, that was definitely very funny. And how old were the kids that you were teaching at the time? Uh, I was teaching freshmen and sophomores. In high school. In high school. Okay, so that's... Uh, in Canada, the whole uh, system is much different. So I'm guessing, is that 9 and 10? Grade 9 and 10? Yes, 
grade nine and ten. Yep. In 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 Quebec, high school starts grade seven for us, and it goes to grade eleven. And there's no middle school. There's no junior high. It's very different here in the states. So we don't use wow. freshman, sophomore. I just blew your mind, right? You did. I didn't know that. I'm learning stuff every day. Now, I don't understand the whole YouTube monetizing situation. Why wouldn't you want to make money off this? Well, there's two reasons. One, um, honestly, the views aren't high enough to really make too much of a dent. Uh, two, I don't like when I have to watch an advertisement before a, a video. And my show is only five minutes long. So if I get a 30-second ad before that, I just don't, I don't know. I, just, I, I feel like people don't appreciate that. So early on, I definitely was like, no, I'm not going to have any ads. And then now I've kind of kept it, and I'm kind of hesitant to put it on there because people have expected that for so long that there's not going to be advertisements. Um, but I think it, eventually if, if I do get enough views uh, in the future, I'll, I'll probably do something else to monetize it. Can't you, have, can't you go with a feature that like the, the, the ad pops up like on the bottom and it doesn't play beforehand, or do they get the pick? I don't know much about that stuff, but aren't there different options that you can, that you can uh, use as far as ads go for the videos? Yeah, there are. Um, and I, I guess I could do those. I don't know. Like I said, I, I, should, <laughs> I should probably get on that. I think really the biggest thing is the views. Um, I mean, I don't know how much YouTube partners make, but it's not as much as, as a lot of people think as far as like a per, per view goes. Um, and like I said, I guess anything helps, but I just – I know people find those annoying, so I, I kind of try to stay away from them. Are you uh, the, the, the complete brains behind this soup to nuts? There's no one else helping you with these videos? No, it's just me. Um, other than the occasional like, guest person I have on, like I had Chael come on one time, and uh, Pat Berry and some other people. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's me. I do all the writing, all the voicing, all the animating, all that stuff. How'd you hook that up? How'd you get Chael, Pat, those guys come on your show? Um, uh, Chael happened through um, his uh, boxing coach, uh, Jamie Huey. Okay. And uh, he's a great guy. And then, um, you know, that just sort of kind of happened organically. And then uh, with Pat, he's just a fan of the show. And I think uh, somebody tweeted me and him and said, hey, you should have uh, Pat on the show. And I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. And then it just sort of went from there. So um, all of the actual guests I've had on the show just kind of happened organically. And you know what's impressive about you? I've noticed this. People give you props all the time. You have a very loyal fan base. You respond personally to everyone. It seems like you respond to every single person that writes to you on Twitter and, uh, and I give you props for that. that. That's a very cool thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I feel it's like the least I can do since they're going to take the time to write me a message. And, I mean, at some point it might get too much where I just can't respond. Like when I post a show on Wednesday, I'll have like 400 tweets, and I'll end up in Twitter jail for like you know, half the day because I'm responding to too many people. But, yeah, I mean, I just figure if they're going to take the time to say, you know, hey, I love your show, I can at least just say thank you. I mean, it, you know, it doesn't take that much uh, out of my day. And, yeah, I definitely like responding to the fans. They're great. It, it felt to me like a, a major turning point for you, a big moment for you at least, was when Dana White tweeted your video, said he loved it, and everyone check it out. Would you agree with that? Was that, was that a major turning point for you? Was that, was that a big moment for the Tommy Toehold character? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was huge. Um, having Dana tweet it out, I, I couldn't even believe the amount of response I got. It was, it was nuts. Um, and, and still to this day, uh, each episode that he has, I think he's done twice. Okay. Um, th- both of those episodes are my highest as far as views go. Um, so, yeah, no, it was definitely uh, a big deal. And he followed me on Twitter, and I thought that was pretty cool, too. So was that the biggest sort of shout-out that you've received thus far? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Um, I mean, you know, he's the he's dude running the company, so I <laughs> suppose uh, that's definitely the biggest. I mean, obviously, Lorenzo, too, that was really cool. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's funny, you know, like uh, even – you know, people that are just getting started in the business, when they say they like the show and, I, and I've heard of them and stuff, I'm just, I, I still kind of get starstruck. I'm like, I can't believe you're even talking to me. It's just kind of crazy. 
Um, what is the long-time goal of the show? Where do you want to take this? Obviously, you want to go as far as possible. Do you, do you have a plan in place? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I, want to, I do want to take it as far as I can. Uh, I'll be 100% honest. I want it to be on TV. I don't think it could be 30 minutes, but I think a segment on maybe UFC tonight or oh. something like that would yeah. work. Um, I would, would love to work with Fox or the UFC, uh, but yeah, I want to take this as far as I can. If only you knew someone that worked on Fuel TV that can maybe put in a good word. <laughs> that's right. That's true. <laughs> well, hopefully you meet that person. That would be, that would be huge for you. Um, that would be awesome. <laughs> now, you're not going to take any, because, you know, I had my man, I'll be honest, I had my man Prebeck on. You know Prebeck, right? I do. Now, he does great work. He put out a, a video recently. But I think lately, I was talking about this with New York Rick, and I'm not trying to throw him under the bus or anything because I think his work is outstanding. But with that kind of thing, you gotta, you got to be consistent. Every Wednesday at a certain time, people need to know that this stuff is coming out. I think that's part of your success. They know that it's coming out on this day. Don't take any days off. Is that part of your, 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 your game plan as well? Despite the fact that it may be a holiday or whatever, you got to come out with a show. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, I've missed you know, all kinds of things, vacations and other things, just because I needed to get the show out. Um, it, it's, I decided when I started, and my fans will joke because sometimes I'm so late, it comes out at yeah. you know, 11.59 on Wednesday or sometimes 1 in the morning on Thursday. But I do, every single week I said I'm going to get the show out, and that's it. There's another, you know, there's, I'm not going to stop it. So uh, it's been literally every single week since I started. I think I'll be up to episode 60 uh, coming up next week, and I have not missed uh, one Wednesday. And, and what's the deal with you and Invicta? Because I saw you all over Invicta a couple of weeks ago. Well, um, you know, Shannon Knapp, is, she's awesome. And uh, <laughs> I, I've been interacting with her for a while through Twitter and other social media and mutual contacts. And uh, I just am a big fan of Invicta, so I've been covering it on the show. And she just kind of approached me and said, hey, we'd like to do something fun with your logo. And, you know, would you be interested in that? And, and it sort of went from there. So you weren't necessarily sponsoring them. You weren't paying them. It was just kind of a, a friendship deal. Yeah, it was kind of it was kind of a friendship thing. Yeah, it was you know uh, just sort of mutual respect, I guess. And, and where do you live? I I will give you the region of the United States. I live in the Midwest. Oh, okay. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Now I asked you while we were setting this up uh, if you could give us a taste of Tommy. Uh, quite frankly, I wasn't sure if, like I said, if you alter anything, so I didn't know if you could pull it off. Are you able to give us a taste? I am, and. Let me say, once I start, it's, it's going to get a little, little silly, but I want you to kind of play along with it, respond. Okay, so you're, we're, we're going to talk to each other. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to interact with you. Okay, great. Are, are you ready right now? Yeah, let's, uh, I'm going to start it right now, so All right. you're ready. Let's do it. I'm ready. Hey, Earl, how you doing? I'm doing great. That, that's great. Hey, Tommy Toll here. Do me a favor. Ask me about my cartoon rival, Prebeck. <laughs> what do you think about Prebeck? I'm not falling for that one. Stop trying to get me in trouble with your relevant questions and your actual journalism. Now, last time you had a fictional character on the show, things got a little nuts. So if I do the same, I fully expect you to walk me through Central Park, but I do have some demands. Okay. I want the entire interview to be done while we ride swings, and we have to get cotton candy. Do we have a deal? Deal. Okay, well, I changed my mind, and now I want to ride bikes. <laughs> uh, and you've already agreed, so there's no turning back. Hey, hey, thank you for having me on the show. I'd love to stay in chat, but Lois Griffin's going to be here in five minutes, and I have not laid any plastic down in my bedroom yet. Stay Canadian, my friend. That was awesome. By the way, I don't know how to ride a bike, so we need to uh, figure out a new deal. <laughs> what? No way. I swear, I don't know how to ride a bike. Isn't it embarrassing? It's not embarrassing, man. It just, you just got to try it. You, know? you, can't, you can't be scared to fall down. I, I, I was actually impressed. I thought you knew that, and you were trying to call me out. World exclusive right here. 
I really was not. That's <laughs> awesome, though. That's great. <laughs> that was that was awesome. That was incredible. I hey, are you able to do the uh, the the April Fools? That was great. That was awesome. The Vanderlei Silva. You knew, you knew I was try it. I don't know if it would sound the same. Oh. Uh, it's funny. Like sometimes, like characters like that that I don't do very often. Uh, it's hard for me to remember how I did their voice the first time, but I'll give it a try. <laughs> that was that was a good one. He kept coming back. That was obviously a, a topic that I I spoke about. I was upset about the whole situation. But then when I saw your show, I was like, I can't really be mad at Vanderlei. You kind of you you made me lighten up a little bit. So I appreciate that. Hey, not a problem. Yeah, I thought that was such a funny situation and so silly. I thought it'd be great for the show. What about Tito? That that that's tough, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it was one of those things. I almost didn't do the the joke. What? Um, I almost didn't do it. I almost didn't do it because I was like, I don't know. Because, you know, most of my jokes are kind of tongue-in-cheek, but that was just, that was almost malicious as far as uh, making fun of his voice. But, uh, you know, it it was good and it was funny, and I think a lot of people enjoyed it, and I'm sure I'll end up doing it again in the future. But every once in a while, uh, I'll do a joke, and I'm like, eh, do I want to do this? But I usually end up doing it anyway. So are you just going to keep YouTube as your home, or do you actually have a site that, I mean, if you go to the YouTube page, and by the way, you don't have an actual, it's on YouTube.com slash Tommy Toehold, is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is, it. oh, because when I looked at it, well, maybe my, my thing was all messed up. Um, I just got a bunch of numbers and a weird URL. So it's YouTube.com slash Tommy Toehold, website, things like that. Do you care about that, or do you just want people to go to your YouTube? No, I actually do have a website. Uh, it's just TripleTHS.com, so TTTHS.com. And uh, it's right now. It's just I'm selling like my shirts and stuff. Ah. Um, but I think eventually I'll kind of probably put a little bit more content on there as well. Um, right now I'm happy with YouTube. Obviously, YouTube is you know one of the top three websites in the entire world. Uh, so it's nice to have it on something that people are familiar with and it's easy to embed. Um, but I suppose if something came along in the future um, and the right deal, you know, I could I could move somewhere else. But I would like to stay on YouTube as long as possible. So you got Ronda Rousey wearing your shirt, cutting it up and things like that. I see that. That almost has to be a little surreal, right? It is. Uh, seriously, all this stuff is just, every time I interact with a fighter or just talking to you right now on the MMA Hour, it, it's, it's just, it, I would never have thought a year ago if you'd have told me that any of this was going to happen. I'd have told you you're nuts. Uh, so, yeah, anytime any fighter interacts with me, I just, I'm, I'm kind of baffled by it. How far do you, do you honestly think this can go? Do you have realistic expectations? You know, I don't know how long it's going to go. Um, I don't know if people are going to get sick of me after a few more years, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride it into the ground. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Brett Favre style. I'm going to do it until people just ask me to stop. And then, uh, you know, if, if, if I leave a mark on MMA and people remember it 10 years down from the road, that's great. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to do this as long as I can. Well, that's awesome, man. I wish you nothing but the best of luck, success. I mean, it's really great to see someone kind of do something on their own uh, by themselves organically without anyone helping them out and then just develop this following, you know, week by week. I mean, I know Sean on the MMA report, he supports you a lot and posts your videos every week, uh, you know, when they come out. And I know a New York Rick back there. New York Rick has actually been, you know, to be honest, he, he was campaigning to have you on the show many moons ago. So he deserves some props as well. And uh, I'm very happy for you. If there's anything we can do to help you out to get your word out there, let us know because uh, it's fun to see someone in your position succeed. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate all the support from everybody that's, that's done anything, even just sending me a Twitter message. Uh, it's been great. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. There he is. Tommy Tollhold stopping by. Check him out. Triple THS, as he says, at triple THS.com, YouTube.com slash Tommy Tollhold. 
Twitter.com slash Tommy Toehold. The guy's everywhere. If you haven't seen his stuff, do yourself a favor. After the show, check it out. Heck, even pause the show if you want. Check it out. He is uh, very talented. We don't know his name. We're not quite sure where he lives. It doesn't really matter at this point. Very talented. A great addition to the MMA community, and uh, it's always a fun watch every Wednesday or Thursday when he comes out with those videos. So we appreciate him stopping by, and we wish him nothing but the best of luck. Let him know that you enjoyed his spot on the show and that you're, you're pulling for the guy. He needs the support. He needs that motivation. Tommy Toehold on the MMA Hour. We have seen it all. We have done it all, my friends, but we're not done. Let us move along now because uh, as I was talking to Kelvin about at the top of the show, um, this is a big day in Las Vegas. Tryouts of the Ultimate Fighter Season 18, men and women, 135 pounders. And this morning when I was coming to the show, to the studio, uh, I noticed that our longtime friend Ulysses Gomez, the number one fan of uh, Mr. Justin Bieber, was uh, trying out. And I thought, this is interesting. Of course, recently a member of the UFC flyweight division, now trying out as a bantamweight on the Ultimate Fighter. But then he tweeted that they wouldn't let him try out. So we wanted to have him on the show to make sense of the situation. I believe he's on right now. Ulysses, are you there? Okay, how you doing, boss? Well, so, so what happened? You, you went to Las Vegas. You went to try out. They didn't let you try out? Well, uh, the good thing is I live in Vegas, so I didn't have to go that far. Okay. Um, but yeah, um, I got the application. I filled it all out. The application didn't say anything that I couldn't try out. It didn't say anything about former UFC veterans. I said, okay, why not? You know, I got there like around 6.30. You know, there was probably about 15, 20 people in front of me. So uh, once they opened the registration up, I gave them a paperwork. You know, they check your way. You know, they took my picture. They said, all right, you know, just just sit down, you know, and get a wait for them to call you. So I'm sitting down. Then they called uh, me and three other people. Um, and by the time I got there, they told the other three guys that they couldn't try out as well. I think because um, I think I didn't recognize them, so I don't think it's the same reason why I couldn't try out. I think they couldn't try out because they didn't have enough fights. Uh. Um, but I, so I go to the guy. I was like, "What's up?" He's like, "Oh, you can't try out your, you know, your former fighter." And I was just like, "Well, the application doesn't say that say that I can't, and I know former fighters have tried out, like you know, Joe Lauzon, West Sims, and all that." Sure. He was like, "Well, you know, you're not allowed to." And I was like, "Would well, you mind if I talk to Joe Silver and Sean Shelby when we get here?" He's just like, "Oh yeah, no, go go ahead." Like, probably about 10 minutes later, I saw Joe Silva, and I asked him first. And he was just like, yeah, you know, you can't try out this and that. He's like, it says on application. But it didn't say on application. I guess what happened was it says on the website, but my manager emailed me the application. I didn't get it from the website directly. Ah. So, yeah. So, how are you feeling now? Uh, I mean, a little bummed, you know. Um, but uh, I, I did talk to Sean Shelby, and, you know, he knows that, um, that uh, you know, I, I told him, I was like, you know, like, if, I, if what I have to do to get back to UFC is, is go to the tournament, you know, the Ultimate Fighter and win it, I go, I'm willing to do that, you know. Um, I'll humble myself to it, you know. Um, I think it, it, it's, it's kind of hard to, uh, you know, yeah, I was in the UFC, I had two fights, to kind of feel like maybe take a step backwards, you know, but at the same time, it's just like, if that's what I feel like, if that's what I have to do, you know, I'm, I'm all for it, you know. It kind of, you know, gave me, you know, a little spiel, you know, win a couple fights, you know, stay ready, you know, because people always get hurt, you know, and you'll be back. Do you want to be fighting at 135 as opposed to 125, or you just saw the opportunity at 135 for the show here? Um, a little bit of both. Um, I definitely saw the opportunity with 135. Um, I'm also undefeated at 135. You know, I've had three fights. Uh, the, the, the cut to 135 is definitely a lot easier than the cut to 125. But at the same time, I think, um, I mean, at 125, I'm probably, you know, three, maybe four fights away from being the number one guy in the world, depending on, on what route you take. 
at 135, it's probably like 13, 14. So the road's a lot longer at 35. But I think the the road is, even though it's shorter at 125, it's a lot more difficult because, I mean, there is no easy fights, you know? So you last fought in the UFC in February. Did you turn down any opportunities because you were saying, all right, you know, let's say someone offered you a fight last week, the week before, or this coming week. Well, I want to try it for the Ultimate Fighter, so I don't want to take these opportunities. Did that happen? Um, I actually signed with uh, the show called Pandemonium. They're like in Pomona, a Riverside area. So I have a fight for them June 1st. Um, they, they knew that I was going to try out for the show, so, you know, um, they let me out of my contract if I wasn't going to sign back up for the show. But uh, since I didn't, I guess I'm going to have to beat some dude up on June 1st. You know, you had a very interesting predicament that you were tweeting about. You got there very early, you were in line, and then all of a sudden you had the urge to use the restroom, and you, you yeah. weren't sure what you were <laughs> going to do. What did you do? I, I felt bad for oh, you there. Man. I know, dude. I had to wait, man. I, I was I was kind of afraid I was going to Tim Sylvia myself, <laughs> but thankfully, you know, I waited. You know, I had you know, I trail-headed a little bit, but oh, it was all right, though. Dang. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a lot of info, but you know what? I sympathize. It's a tough spot to be in. Well, I mean, you know, like, well, well, I got there at 6.30. There was probably, like, 15 people, but there wasn't a line. They were just all kind of, like, sitting, you know, on the floor. And then at 8 o'clock, they just opened the doors. They go, all right, everybody get in line. And I'm like, oh, I thought I was in line. So I went from being the 15th person oh. to the 75th person. So I was like, man, I, I really, like, I got to hold it, man, because I don't want to get get at the end of the line and, you know. Did you recognize any uh, any any big names who haven't fought in the UFC thus far? Uh, um, yeah, yeah, Wilson Hayes was there. Oh, uh, I don't know if he was trying out, but I know he was there. Uh, Danny Martinez, uh, who normally fights at one twenty-five, he was there. Uh, Manny Tapia was there. Um, his name Jimmy Jones, who fought Sergio Pettis last. He's there. Uh, Chris Holdsworth, who's I think he's four or five and zero in the RFA, all by submissions. He was there. Um, and who else they have? A couple of girls. Kim Couture tried out, which is, I, think, I thought that was kind of interesting. They could have the first. Uh, wow. Uh, mom, dad, and son in the UFC. Kim Couture, you're saying? Yeah, she's wow. out. Wow. I, I, I saw her at the tryout. I don't know how far she went, but I know she, uh, um, she was in the, in the grappling portion. Any any other uh, notable women? Uh, I think Tara LaRosa, and there's this one girl. I forgot how to pronounce her last name, but uh, she always has classes. She's super nice. Yeah, Roxanne Modafferi. Yeah. yeah, her, her, yep. She's actually coming she's on after well. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I know the girls, they just got done with the grappling. They're about to start doing the striking. So be interested to see how they all do. You know, Manny Tapia is an interesting one because he fought in WEC. Do you think it's fair that yep, he should get? Well, I mean, he, oh, uh, same thing with L.C. Davis. L.C. Davis is trying out. Right. They both fought in WEC, but then they're fought in the UFC. Right. Still a beautiful banner, but, I mean, how much do you want to nitpick, you know? Right, right. Yeah, that's a tough spot. And, you know, I'm wondering, of course, when uh, when we reported – there were a lot of cuts, a lot of cuts since then. You were on that list, and quite famously, you, you tweeted that you didn't even know, which, uh, you know, honestly, I, I, I felt horrible about, and I, and I wrote to you um, via Twitter, via direct message that, you know, I, I apologize that you found out that way. Um, and then now this happens. I mean, did, did you have bad feelings towards UFC? Clearly not. You tried out, but after something like this, like, how, how do you feel towards the company now? I mean, you know, when I when I got released, um, the way I found out was it was unfortunate. Um, but I um, the next day, Dana tweeted or made a video saying that he was sorry about the people that didn't know. Um, I don't feel that he needed to to address that situation. It, it's their company; they can run it how they want. It made me feel a lot better, you know. Um, I, I realized it was an honest mistake that they 
they didn't. I, I guess Dana thought that some of the fighters knew before they actually did. Uh, you know, it happens. Um, the way I look at it, you know, I had two fights in the UFC. I made a good amount of money. I fought in, you know, front of hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, so there's really nothing to be upset about. You know, um, if I had the chance to, you know, to do it again, I would. I would definitely jump on it. So, so your next, no hard feelings, you know. Well, that is very good to hear, and, and, and handling that with a lot of class. Your your next fight, June first, you said for this uh, promotion, Pandemonium, one twenty five or one thirty five. Uh, from what I hear, one twenty five. So I'm trying, I'm trying to stay busy. You know, I figure if they want to be uh, the Dawson fighter, you know, which was it was two fights in six weeks. I'm gonna try to have three fights in six weeks or eight weeks. Wow. And I'm trying to fight uh, in. I want to fight in the RFA in July because uh, I hear I hear you know, I have a show in July or August. So if I can't get on that one, uh, I know uh, Tachi Collins has a show in August. I want to get on that one as well. All right, man. Well, uh, I'm sorry this happened. I-, I wanted to have you on to talk about this great story of you, you know, trying out for the show and hopefully making it. And I know you were upset. That's why I really appreciate you coming on and, and telling us about it all. Good luck with the fight in June. We'll, we'll of course, be monitoring it. And uh, good luck on your road back to the UFC. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. There he is, Ulysses Gomez. Check him out on Twitter, twitter.com slash Ulysses Gomez. Uh, former UFC flyweight, hoping to, uh, to make his way back up the UFC ranks and uh, get another shot in there. I think that would be a, a nice story. And I think on the Ultimate Fighter would have been nice, but... I guess you can understand where they're coming from. Only only eight 135ers from the men's side of things. Uh, eight women bantamweight fighters. Tyler Rose says he mentioned Kim Couture, ex-wife of one Randy Couture. I don't know if she's ever fought a 135 before. That's very interesting. Um, and uh, Roxanne Mataferi, who I believe we're trying to get in touch with any moment now from the Ultimate Fighter tryouts i think that'd be a lot of fun roxanne's been around this 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 sport a long time came all the way from japan to try out and you know as i mentioned i've, I've said this on the show a lot you know the ultimate fighter yes maybe it's gotten a little stale it, it, it's kind of the same thing but with the kelvin win and even what uriah did this year now moving on to this and what cat did on saturday i gotta admit i'm more interested in this season than i have been probably since the kimbo season I think this is the first season, especially from from the, the, the women's side of things, when it's the first time they can tap into a division, you're going to get some, some really good athletes, some really good fighters, and it's only the second time that they've had 135-pound men. So I'm really curious to see who they get. Of course, as CM Punk was saying, women's MMA, very hot right now, and they, you know, they... they, they, they they're, they're building the divisions. They're putting together great matchups. I give Sean Shelby a lot of credit for that. Um, he, he's putting together the right matches. Uh, Sheila Gaff versus Sarah McMahon coming up next week. Uh, Rosie Sexton versus uh, Alexis Davis coming up at 161. There's some, some fun matchups coming up. And, of course, Ronda Rousey against Katzengano. That'll probably be in December. And I'm just I'm interested. I'm interested in the dynamic in the house. I'm interested in the dynamic at the gym, the fights themselves. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, September 4th, it premieres on Fox Sports 1. So New York Rick telling me right now that uh, Roxy's running a little late. Still want to get her on the show, 20 minutes or so. Uh, so before we get to, what are we going to do first? The, the, the pictures, the picks, or the questions? Let's run through the pictures while we wait for uh, Roxy. Okay, before we get to the pictures, I just want to quickly address what happened on the show last week. And by the way, when your mic is on, I hear a bit of an echo. I'm not sure if that's from the computers or anything, but just to let you know. Um, of course, last week, if you may have uh, not heard or missed the show, 
Um, we had the Mitrio Minute, which we've done on this show many times in the past. Of course, we've also had the McCorkle Minute, and it's something that just kind of started up. I remember when Matt Mitrion was on this show um, back in the AOL days, he came on, and I remember trying to end the interview, and he started asking me questions about an upcoming fight. And I was like, this is fun. It's fun to get someone else's perspective, someone who kind of gets it, who's engaging. So I invited him back on, and, and, and we kind of came up with this idea that it'll be his take on the world of MMA because, you know, a quirky guy and meathead, all that stuff, and called it the Mitrio Minute, even though it wasn't a minute, kind of a play off the MMA hour. It's not really an hour. And it just, it was fun. It worked. Of course, we had the, the issue with Tito, which, you know, may or may not have been a warning sign or whatever, but I, I didn't think that was a big deal then, and we kind of got over it, and, and everyone's okay now. And, and he came on the show, of course, you know, it was kind of hard to, to keep up with it, um, especially he was injured and losing streak and all that stuff, but he won, and he told me he wanted to do it again on the show from wherever he was, and I said, sure. We, we never really had a real issue in the past, and, you know, that was that. Last week's Mitchell Minute obviously wasn't the funniest one ever, um, uh, particularly, you know, it's, to be honest, I've never even seen Silence of the Lambs, so when he was making those jokes about Buffalo Bill and that stuff, I didn't really know what he was talking about. I never saw the film. Uh, and then, of course, it got, as I mentioned, very serious when he was, you know, giving his take on Fallon Fox and, 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 and her fighting in mixed martial arts. And then a couple hours later, word got out that Matt Mitrione had been suspended indefinitely by the UFC. In fact, I was the one who told Matt of this when he was still on Skype from wherever he was, and I asked him, and then I said, did you hear about this? And, and then he kind of just disappeared. I had a conversation with him yesterday, but that was off the record, and I want to keep that between us, and we're fine. And, you know... I, I just want to say that to, to anyone who was watching this show, who was listening to it, I mean, I've, 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 I've played it over and over in my mind, and people are saying, oh, congratulations on getting on CNN.com, Huffington Post, all that stuff. That's not how I want our show to be seen, to be associated with. I, I, I don't want anyone to listen to the show and be offended by anything. The only thing I want you to be offended by maybe is a bad plaid shirt that I'm wearing or maybe my big nose, something like that. But you get my point. It got... It got too serious, and I regret that, and I played it over in my mind a thousand times. People ask me about the Bob Arum interview. Oh, that was so great. And quite frankly, that was one of my lowest moments. I, I didn't like that because I interjected. Now, it was a little different, the MMA guy interviewing the boxing guy. He's, he's ripping MMA. So I kind of felt like, oh, here I am. I need to stick up for the sport. But as far as what my job is, what my role is, it was not that. When you give someone the microphone, when you ask them a question, you shouldn't interject. And if it's, if it's a fighter ripping on another fighter, saying something, a promoter, whatever, it's their time. On a show like this, I can talk about it, but it's their time. I shouldn't interject. Now, when it comes to the Mitrione situation, that's what I believe in. When it comes to Mitrione, he was doing the minute, and it's more of a monologue where I'm kind of just sitting there, you know, taking it all in. And, and I, I wrestled. Should I have interjected? Should I have said something? Well, I did ask him about, you know, why are you calling her a him? Why do you have so much hatred towards her? You know, I was trying to kind of reel him back in. At least I thought I'm not, you know, those are his opinions and he could do whatever he wants with them. But it wasn't obviously something that we agreed with. You know, I, I, I've been covering Fallon. I reached out to her for a, uh, a comment. As I've said on the show a bunch of times, I don't know enough about the situation to come out here and say that this is something that should not be allowed or allowed. I just don't know. So I'm going to cover like a women's fighter. And that's the best that I can do. So... 
I, I, I replayed it over in my mind. I thought about what to tweet. You know, I, I didn't want to, you know, because he was on my show and, and, and he was doing the minute and we've had that relationship, I didn't want to throw him under the bus, but I also didn't want to condone it. So I wrestled with it. And that's why I said, I just want to talk about it on the show and kind of let it all out there. And of course, some people weren't happy with that, thought that I was, you know, lacking emotion. It wasn't that. I just felt like it started here, it should end here. So I just wanted to say that if anyone was listening to that and was offended, I apologize. It wasn't our idea. It wasn't anything that we came up with together or anything like that. And I'm not even sure if I should apologize, but I will. Because uh, it just, it didn't really, ha- it, 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 it didn't have a place here. It, 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 it went, the Mitchell Minute has always been kind of lighthearted. It's always been fun. And it, it crossed the line. And, um, you know, I obviously heard what, what Dana said on the conference call. Of course, it wasn't an interview. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't know that he was going to go that route. I didn't ask him about Fallon Fox. And he also said, you know, why are people doing those interviews? Well, I think that was just kind of in the moment. Of course, we've had Kelvin, who the UFC helped me get. We've had uh, Katzengano, who the UFC helped me get. So, you know, I, I don't think that's what he really meant. But... Um, I get what he was saying. Why, why are you talking about Fallon if you don't know about the situation? You don't, you're not a medical expert. I believe that's what he was saying. So I wasn't offended by that. I know some have asked me about that, joked about it. I wasn't offended. But all I just want to say is this was nothing that, you know, we never meant to offend anyone. And the minute, I think, has kind of run its course, to be honest. Um, I, I think over time, we just kind of evolve. We become a different kind of show. And... Uh, and I, and, I, and I regret it went that way. I, I, reg- I regret it went to that limit. So that's that. Hmm. New York Rick? Are you there? I can't hear you. Sorry, I'm here. What happened in Boston? Apparently, there was some kind of explosion um, near the finish line of the Boston Marathon. Um, I, d- I don't have many details right now, but just a lot of people were injured, um, and, and our thoughts go out to them. It's a, it's a devastating scene. There's, there's pictures online and things like that, and um, it's, it's tr- tragic. Wow. I'm looking on uh, CNN.com right now. Two explosions have been reported near the Boston Marathon finish line on uh, Boylston Street, there's thousands of people gathered for the race, and there are reports of injuries. Uh, the blast happened at about 2.50 p.m. near the intersection of Boylston and Exeter Streets. Storefronts have been blown out, and there have been reports of dozens of injuries. This, again, according to CNN.com. Uh, witnesses said several victims lost limbs, and the area was being evacuated. The first explosion happened across the Lennox Hotel, and the second blast was about 15 seconds later, witnesses said. Many of the injured appear to be spectators who gathered for the 117th running of the race. Uh, wow. Well, that is devastating. Um, the victims were being taken to the Massachusetts General Hospital. News Center 5 and WCVB.com will have uh, more information when it becomes available. So, whoa. Uh, well, thanks for letting me know about that, and, and, and that is horrendous. The uh, Boston Marathon, of course, a huge tradition here in the United States, as, as I mentioned, 117th edition. And uh, I hope that there are no casualties, but it sounds like a, a very serious situation. And 
our thoughts and prayers go out to the people who were affected by this. That is horrible. And uh, if anything major comes out regarding this, I know we're an MMA show, but if you're listening to this and not uh, tuning into the news right now, good to know about that as well. Thank you for letting me know. Um, New York, Rick, let's, uh, let's take questions. Sure. Um, First, let's tell people what's at stake. For, for the Frank Mirror face? Um, yeah. Okay. Let's, let's tell people what's at stake. Uh, well, let's, yeah. Okay. Let's, let's go with the, yeah, we may, yeah. Tell, tell the people about the Frank Mirror face, uh, uh, prize at stake. It's an unbelievable prize. We met the, the man who did it. I was going to say young man, but he told us he's actually 39 years old, which blew my mind. Well, why are you blowing a spot on, well, on uh, the show? That's something to be proud of. Uh, yeah, he, <laughs> he was, uh, fantastic shape for, uh, 39 years old. Um, okay. So. What we're giving away is a piece, a print of art, original art created by Scott Cohn. This is it right here. Let me see. I think I think we got. Can we see this on camera? Yeah, that looks good. Um, Benson Henderson, with in, in the in the um, likeness of his favorite character Cable from from the X Men and Marvel comics. Um, so this is the print that our fans will be winning. Now I'm I'm looking at it here. It's it's fantastic. Um, the quality is really great, and as you can see, the drawing is fantastic as well. So that's what's up for grabs. Um, if if you don't win today, you can find out more or order. Um, you can learn more about Scott at Twitter.com/slash Scott Scott underscore Cone C O H N underscore Art. Um, he's also at scottcone.blogspot.com and Facebook.com/slash scott.cone.art it's great stuff it's uh, it's unbelievable you saw it right there Benson Henderson loved it does work with WWE Magazine uh, this is arguably one of our best prizes yet that's for the Frank Mir face and we really appreciate him stopping by giving a signed picture to myself New York Rick and Buzzkill Brendan who had no idea what the heck was going on he didn't even know who Benson Henderson was but he got one too that's how big a part of the show Mr. Buzzkill is he has no idea. Yep. So we appreciate that. Now, let's go to the questions first. Sure. Um, and soon we have Roxy stopping by, right? Yep. I have, uh, I have the phone line open waiting for her to call. She's going to call. Okay. Yep. So I will let you know when that happens. All right. Just getting the Twitter questions. Uh, actually, the, the uh, website questions up. Give me one minute. All right, and uh, just one one last thing, one 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 last thing on the whole Mitchell thing. People are, oh, you know, you were laughing and things like that. Honestly, that's kind of you know the 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 sort of give and take that we have. Again, I didn't know what he was talking about with the Buffalo Bill and all that, and and he was joking. Is this on? You know, I don't even know. I may have said too much at this point. The point is there. You know, he said what he had to say. I want to say that we don't condone and we don't agree with it. But he's allowed to say what he's he, he has saying. He has to pay the consequences. He got suspended. You know, that's that's his issue. Uh, I'm still not sure if we should have interrupted or not. But I just want to say if you were listening and you were offended, we regret that and we're sorry. That's all. All right. Our first question from the website regarding women's MMA in the UFC. After the incredible fight between Kat and Misha on Saturday's tough finale, have the doubters been silenced when it comes to the question of women fighting in the UFC? I think 100%. I mean, they're always the most exciting fight on the card. It's unbelievable. It's like 95% of the time, they're the most exciting fight on the card. 
And on Saturday, you just saw, and it's only that, before the fight even really got going, people were going nuts. People were going nuts about every single moment. It's like they're, 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 they're so, they're focused on every single moment of the fight. They're so locked into the fight. There's something about the women fighting that they're captivated by. And it's brilliant. And it makes you wonder why it took this long. But this was the right time with Ronda as the, the champion and the talent being more developed. So I haven't heard one person hate on it, to be honest. And they shouldn't. <clears throat> Our next question. Recently, Ben Henderson made waves by stating that he wanted to fight GSP, with his second title defense being on Fox if he wins his fight this weekend. How far away is he from actually being considered in a super fight with GSP? As I think, George would be a lot more interested in taking this fight than a fight with Anderson Silva. I, I mean, we, we heard what John Crouch had to say uh, about, the, about the whole situation. It, doesn't sound, it sounds like right now they take the fight, but they understand that they have to be champions for, you know, they have to hold on to that belt for at least a few more defenses. So I, I just, I really don't think it's going to happen. And, and Dana White didn't seem all that interested in it. I think it's an interesting fight. I thought he had more issues with cutting the weight than he did. John, being his coach and, you know, his right-hand man kind of squashed all that. But I, I, I think that we're, we're, we're at least a year or two away from that being a serious possibility. Now he may lose, goes on a losing streak. Maybe he rethinks things. But right now, considering how good he is, how, how strong he's looked, how dominant he's been as champion, I don't really think it's, it's, a, it's a real possibility right now. Our final question from the website is about home field advantage. Though I understand it from a business standpoint for the UFC, is it an unfair advantage for the champions and big stars to continuously get their fights at or near their hometowns? GSP seems to always fight and win in Montreal. Cain Velasquez has two title fights in Anaheim, and where there's a large Hispanic community, and now John Jones has his fight in New Jersey next week. Guess what? That's smart. That's promoting 101. Why would you put GSP in another town when he sells out Montreal? Why would you put Cain Velasquez in another town if he's such a big draw in Anaheim or in any Latino market? That's what made Strike Force so good. You got to sell tickets. It's not just about you sitting at home and thinking, yes, and guess what? The champion, he should have an advantage. Now, I know sometimes when Cain fought Brock, he was a challenger, GSP Sarah, GSP was the challenger in Montreal, but that's promoting 101. That makes sense. That's what you have to do. You have to go where the guy at the top is the biggest draw. I never understood that. There's no home field advantage. End of the day, you're fighting in a cage. It's the same cage anywhere. Of course, you know, there, there, there is a crowd that's behind the fighter and supporting him, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe louder in one place or the other, but the name of the game is sell tickets. Biggest gate possible. One day, if you become that big of a draw, you'll have your time. But it, it makes no sense to argue about that, complain about it. It's a smart move. Okay, that does it for our website questions. All right. <clears throat> Here are the Twitter questions. The first one comes from Artie93. Faber looked ultra impressive Saturday. Could we see him challenge for the belt again before Cruz, who started light plyo and running? Well, Hennenbrau is fighting Eddie Wineland June 15th in Winnipeg. I'm not quite sure. You know, we'll see what happens there. I think the, 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 the goal is to have the winner of that fight fight Cruz. But I'll tell you what, you know, after this week, 
with Cruz interviewing Faber on UFC tonight and then in the post-fight show on Fuel. There's still a lot of tension there. There's still the two biggest names at 135. Uriah calls me a hater. and he th- You know, just because I ask questions doesn't mean that I believe it. doesn't mean that that's my opinion, but it is something that has been talked about. Does he get too many title shots? He is still the biggest draw at 135. He's a bigger draw than Dominic, in my opinion. It's the truth. He's a bigger draw than anyone at 125 right now. He's a big deal. So I think there's a very good chance he fights one more time. Dominic fights the winner of Burrell versus Wineland. If he wins that fight, I think he could fight for the belt, especially if Dominic ends up being the unified champ. I want to see it. He has a win over him. The second fight was close. There's still that tension. I definitely want to see it. Our next question comes from Ryan Mitchell. Would the Misha Tate rivalry rematch have been bigger than Zingano's undefeated hype for a tough fight with Ronda Rousey? You know, I thought of that. And I think because of their tension, because of their history, um, I think Misha may be a little more comfortable on camera right now. She presents something completely different. I, I wonder if she would have brought more to the table. But I think they have a, they have a potential star here with Kat. You know, with her being emotional and coming back and the way she won, um, she's undefeated, she's a fresh opponent. You know, it's kind of a, you know, I don't want to call it a win-win, but, it, you know, either route, I see the positives. I see the pros and cons of either route. So I don't think they lose too much. I think it's a, it's a, it's a natural, the Misha and Ronda rivalry, and I, and I don't think we may, we've seen the last of it. But I think this is fresh and... It, it on Saturday I was like, wow, they, you know, this is another one of those where you know they rolled the dice and it didn't work out. But now the more I think about it, seeing her entrance, hearing her on the show today, I think this will be good for her. And and I think come December, or so when they fight, I think people will be very interested in seeing them fight. That stare down on Saturday was incredible. That face off. So I think people will will definitely be behind it. Our next question comes from our friend mm. Sean Sheehan. Is Misha Tate versus Liz Carmouche the logical fight to make now? You know what? I agree with the, the guy who tweeted him uh, underneath the tweet, MMA Ireland. Yeah. I didn't think of that, but I like it. I think that makes total sense. What I'm interested in is how long is Misha going to sit out for? Because she said on this show she wanted to take a break after the Ronda fight. She came back very quickly for Julie Kedzie, won that fight, but then she really wanted to take a break. And... She came back less than a year later. She said the UFC call, it woke her up, and it made her want to fight again. Well, I wonder if now she thinks she came back a little too quick. I wonder if she's in the right mindset. I wonder if she will come back, you know, in four to five months. I'm not 100% sure of that. And once you start talking about that, it gets to be tricky. If she is ready to come back and get back on the horse, I love that fight. I think that makes total sense. Our next question comes from Kyle Young. With Kelvin winning tough, do you think the UFC made out better? Now they have two new stars, and people still want to see Hall's next fights. I don't know if they made out better. I think Uriah Hall, you know, winning would have been a great moment. There's so much buzz behind him. I think he was one of those guys coming off the show that a lot of people believe this guy can be a contender right away. Of course, that didn't happen, but I don't think there's anything wrong with Uriah winning for the UFC, and I don't think there's anything wrong with this situation. It's kind of like we were just talking about with Cat. Pros and cons to both. 
two different directions, but they both kind of work out. I think, you know, Kelvin is very young, raw. You saw here on the show, you know, maybe a little bit shy, but he's only 21 years old. That's amazing. Youngest champion in the history of the Ultimate Fighter. And I think people are going to be very interested in seeing how Uriah rebounds from this. So, yeah. You know, was it a good thing for the UFC? I don't know if it was good or bad, but that, that's the beauty of this sport. It's unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen. Everyone thinks Uriah is going to win. No one thought Kelvin would make it to the finals. He makes it. He wins. Underdog, Cinderella story, and now you have an opportunity to build up Uriah. So I don't think the UFC was crying over that at all. Our next question comes from Alex Shalinsk. 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 Yeah, that looks right. Uh, do you think that Hall tried to coast? Oh. oh, we have a phone call. Hold that. Okay. Thought. I will read the question while you get the phone call and you let me know if it was Roxy. Do you think that Hall tried to coast against Kelvin because he really didn't want to hurt him? I don't know about that. Um, I think he knew what was at stake. And as the fight went on, you know, maybe his first minute of the fight, he didn't have that killer instinct. But I don't know about that. I don't think that's exactly what he said. He said it was hard for him to get up for the fight because he liked him so much. But I think he's a professional and he's been in situations like this before. I'd like to think that, you know, he he had a, you know, uh, an instinct in him that he was like, I got to finish this guy. I got to beat him up. That's what I'd like to think. Okay. What was that? That wasn't her? No. Okay. <clears throat> Our next question comes from Kyle L. Jones. Oh, yeah. Who? No, okay, let's rephrase this. Who's next for Travis Brown, winner of Cormier Mir? So does anyone else ask about the, the elbows? Uh, nobody else asked about that because I, I heard you address it earlier. But um, yeah. Well, I, d- I just wanted to, you know, I was talking about it with, uh, with CM Punk. I think that, and I'm curious to hear your take on it as well. You know, as I mentioned on Saturday, first off, I think Travis Brown is arguably the most underrated heavyweight out there. It, it shocks me that people still have Stefan Struve ranked ahead of him when he knocked him out in a very impressive fashion at UFC 130. It wasn't all that long ago. People seem to have forgotten. The elbows, I mean, it, it, was, it, it was great what he did in that position. Gonzaga going for the single leg, dropping those elbows, around you know this area right here above his ear. And then as Gonzaga appeared to be out, kind of going limp, he clearly hit him with at least one or two illegal elbows. I don't believe he tried to do that on purpose, but I think it was Gonzaga falling in a certain direction, and it just so happened that his elbow connected. Now, should he be penalized for that? Because he didn't mean to do it, and he was falling, but he still did it at the end of the day. So should that be illegal? I think it's a very gray area. Initially, I said it, and Dana White agreed in the post-fight scrum. You could see that on MMA fighting. Well, he was kind of falling. The fight was being stopped. I think the bigger issue was, where was the referee? It seemed like the referee had to run five miles to get to that point. It seemed like he was way out of position. And maybe if he was in there a little closer, he could have stopped the fight sooner. That was my biggest issue coming out of that. But as far as the actual action that took place, the actual elbow to the back of the head, you know, thinking about it more... I kind of think that maybe it should have been a DQ. What do you think? Or maybe you're on the phone. The bottom line is the fight wasn't stopped. You there? I am. We're we're gonna try and uh, get Roxy in okay. a minute here. So All right. we'll talk about that later. 
the bottom line is the fight was stopped after those elbows hit. So, of course, he didn't mean to do it. Of course, it was partial. And that's the, the gray area involved in, in, in mixed martial arts. You know, guys are falling. We, we saw this many times over. I mean, we saw this with, I believe we saw it with, with Hendo and Fedor. We've seen this with other guys. Guys move around. I mean, we saw it with Eric Silva back in Brazil with uh, Yamasaki, Carlo Prater. You know, it's such a gray area. Guys are moving around. You're moving. Brock Lesnar, Frank Mir. I don't know. It's It's tough. It's it's a very tricky situation. That's why being a ref is tough. You know, we, we constantly criticize the refs. I feel like, and at times they deserve it. But it should be noted that of all the referee jobs out there in sports, this, in my opinion, is the toughest because there's so much gray area. The sport is still evolving, and I don't think the rules are as set as they are in other sports. And even in boxing, there isn't this much gray area. Many of the calls are judgment calls in MMA. I think that's a problem. And, and, and by the way, I think it's a problem that's probably not going to be solved anytime soon. So with Travis Brown going back to the question asked, who's next? Well, I'm curious to see what Daniel Cormier does because if Cormier wins this fight, I think he should be, I, honestly, I think he should be the number one contender. But if Cain Velasquez wins his next fight, he doesn't want to fight Cain. So what is he going to do? Is he going to go down to 205? Some people were talking about Roy Nelson versus Czech Congo. I feel like that's a fight that he's going to get. It's happening next week in New Jersey. They're both at around the same sort of, you know, ranking. I think that's a fight that makes a lot of sense. But for Travis Brown, it, you know, I, I think he deserves some more credit. Looking great, looking more fit than ever. I'm curious to see how far he goes. Remember, when he lost to Bigfoot Silva, he got injured in that fight. All right, let's go to Las Vegas here. Let's go to the Skype machine. Welcome in one of our favorite guests. There she is, Roxanne Modafferi. How are you? Roxy, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Ariel. Why do you seem so worried? Worried? Oh, I don't know. I'm, it's so hot, I just I had to fan myself with this fan. Oh, Isn't it cute? I love that fan. I, I believe we were supposed to get one of those many moons ago. I'm still waiting for it. Oh, gosh. Give me your address. It's yours. <laughs> okay, so what's going on? What's the scene? We wanted to talk to you. You came all the way from Japan to Las Vegas to try out for Tough. How's it going so far? Uh, it's going well. There's a big turnout, um, man, men and women. Uh, it's very exciting. I'm, I'm so excited just to be here and be a part of everything. Is it kind of surreal for you? Did you ever think you'd get an opportunity like this? I can't. I can barely imagine myself here <laughs> and, and doing all this. Like it's really surreal. Now, yeah. Did you get to compete yet for the UFC? Um, we did tryouts. Um, I can't say anything about that though. Oh, okay. I understand. It was exciting. It was exciting. <laughs> well, you seem to be in good spirits. Now, uh, what about the other people trying out? As far as the women go, any familiar faces? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was hanging out, sitting next to Tara LaRosa, Shayna Baszler, um, Jessamine Duke is a new friend of mine now. Wow. Um, let's see, T uh, Tanya Evinger. Wow. She's a character. Yeah. This Tara is... Morass. Cheesecake. Cheesecake. Yeah. <laughs> this kind of feels like it's an amazing thing. Like the, You mentioned all those names. These are women who are fighting in women's MMA before it was cool, before it was popular. And now he, here you all are kind of congregating in Las Vegas to get this opportunity. It must feel like kind of a reunion, but also like, yeah, you guys are the pioneers in, in many ways to this. Do you feel that way? 
I do, and it's interesting. One thing about uh, female fighters is like we're kind of in it together. So whereas I think we have a different like group bonding than men, so to speak. So like we're totally cool with hanging out, and then like all right, I'll see you tomorrow. I'll punch your face tomorrow. Okay, see ya. Like it's just it's fine. <laughs> so w- um, was there anyone out in there that you were like, eh, I hope she doesn't make it. I don't want to live in a house with her. Um, there were a few physically larger women that looked bigger than me. I'm not saying like fat or whatever, but just like a lot bigger than me. That was like, oh, well, it might be nice not to fight her someday. But um, yeah, I want to fight strong people anyway. So I'm, I'm not in this to, you know, cut corners. But sure. um, I just I just hope that, you know, regardless of who makes it, and whether it's me or not, um, I hope that good people are selected and that they can represent female fighters well. That's so my hope. No one that you dislike personally that you didn't want to share a house with. Nope. Now, I like <laughs> Well, we expect nothing less from you. You live in Japan. You'd be okay with coming to Las Vegas and living in this house for six or so weeks? Yes. What about your job? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a good question. My boss gave me a week off to do this, and then if I get selected, then we'll have to have another chat. So then we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping that they can give me leave of absence. Um, We'll see, pretty much. This is really important to me. You know, this is my chance to grab my dream, to chase my dream and grab it. So I got to do this, you know, regardless. Um, how do you feel about living in a house with men? Do you, are you okay with that? Strange 135-pound fighters, testosterone, bunch of psychos. What do you think of that? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm trying not to think about it, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not really sure. It's uh, It's... It will be an adventure, you know. I'm sure uh, there will be awkward moments, but we'll see. You know, I'm I'm not I'm in it to get the contracts. You know, I'm, I'd like to make friends, but that's it. You know, so do you think it'll be it will, interesting? Do you think it will take you off your game because you have to live with these people and fight? I mean, it's a very unique situation for a fighter, one who's been in the sport a long time, not used to that situation. Does that concern you at all? Um, well, you said it. it's a unique situation, so I really have no idea. All right. Except that I train with mostly guys, so I'm sure it'll be fine. You've been in this sport longer than both Kat and Rhonda. Uh, you may have, off the top of my head, more fights than both of them combined. How do you feel about being coached by them? Uh, it'll be interesting, but I'm sure they have their strengths. You know, um, Kat's knees are better than mine, and Rhonda's judo is better than mine. So, and I'm sure they have different camps and they have different training methods, especially since I've been living in Japan and doing Japanese training style. So, um, you know. I'll just take what I can from what they have to offer, and um, I'm looking forward to whatever they have to offer. So, You were in Las Vegas on Saturday. Did you watch the fight live at Mandalay Bay? Yes, I did. What is it like? We were just talking about it. You know, you have a bunch of fights. They're great fights. And then you have, you know, the women's fight, Misha Tate, Katzengano, and it sounds like the, the, the crowd is just going insane for every single move. Like, they, they like that fight more than all the fights combined. What's it like for someone like you to witness that? When they went into the ring, I cried. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's the women in the UFC. So it was awesome. Um, yeah, it was really exciting. It was an exciting fight. You know, um, I was riveted. Like, that was the fight I wanted to see. I could have left after that, you know. Yeah. It was good. It was a good fight. It was exciting, you know. Um, what do you think of the stoppage? It's a tough one um, because, you know, Misha did eat a bunch of unanswered knees. Um, but she was, you know, people have gotten 
dazed and then gone in for a takedown and then recovered and done something with it. So it's kind of hard to know what, you know, she fell on her hands and knees, but was it like falling on her hands and knees senseless or was it falling on her hands and knees preparing to do something else? So it's kind of up to the ref at that point. I really don't want to say anything. All right. Fair enough. Now, did you think you'd be in this position? I mean, did you think that women's MMA would come to the UFC in 2013 or was this sooner or maybe even later than you thought? It's a little sooner than I thought, actually. But um, I knew that it would take some superstar to kind of sell everybody like Gina Carano, you know, first and then now, you know, um, Ronda Rousey and other other um, Isha Tate and other female fighters who have that combination of, you know, charm, strength, you know, talent, um, charisma, you know, that's what it needs. You know, that's, that's kind of like how pride was, you know, they had their heroes and they had their personalities and they built stuff around that. And then, you know, the, the fighters started retiring and then now there's not so many big names. And so Japanese MMA is kind of in a bad state. I think that's one of the causes. So, you know, now it's kind of for female fighters, it's gone up because of this. So I, I hope it continues like this. And I think actually it's really smart to make the ultimate um, fighter with women now because it's, it'll, I think it'll really help, you know, uh, get the public support of female fighters. So do you kind of root for Rhonda? Because do you think that she needs to, you know, win a few more fights and be out there and it kind of trickles down to you guys? Do you, do you, do you think that her success equals more success, more opportunities for the ladies? Oh, uh, good question. I think she said that she wants it not to be just about her, but about everybody. So in that regard, I'm glad that other fighters are challenging her and Misha and then win, well, winning, getting a chance to be in the spotlight too, you know, so many people can see different faces. Uh, at the same time, I'm a, I used to do judo, so I really want to learn from Rhonda and I, I kind of, I really like her personality too. So I'm, I'm kind of rooting for her, but um, I don't really know much about like that, but. I don't want to say anything, <laughs> but uh, you know what I'm trying to say about that. Yeah. So if you get picked, you want to be on Ronda's team? Um, I'll be happy with whoever's team. <laughs> can, you, can you describe the vibe in there right now? We're seeing people like kind of warming up, trying to stay loose. Is, there, is it an anxious vibe? What's it like in there? Because I, I, can't, I can't really imagine what the feeling is. Waiting sucks. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, like, I was going... I was going nuts. I was like, my turn yet? Are we going yet? Like, crazy. So uh, people are just ch chilling out. You know, the women went first. Thank you. So um, we, we got to do our thing first. You know, now the women are ready to be interviewed. The guys, I think they just started their grappling part. Oh, okay. What um, time did you get there? I got there at like five, six-ish. And the doors opened at like a little before eight. So what are you waiting for now? What's next for you here today? I'm not supposed to say. Oh, okay. You know, I, I'm very nosy. I, I, I I'm, like... a little, I'm a little hungry, you know, and you know, you use ice cream, but I don't know where I can get ice cream around here. So oh. I'll have to survive. Do you have Do you have any idea when the day ends for you? How long you're going to be there for? No. You don't know anything. But someone better get me ice cream for this. <laughs> well, how much longer I can handle this? You know. Well, we're we're pulling for you. Thank you very much. I think it would make for great. I think you and all the, the ladies you mentioned, Tara and Shayna, I mean, I think it would, be, it would be very apropos if you guys make it. Would they let you bring that fan in the house? I don't know. That's kind of an outside object. Oh, well, I don't know. I could probably make one out of paper. I heard they let you bring paper in. That is true. But and have they given you a timeline as to when you'll find out? I'm not asking you if you made it or did you know how long you'll have to wait? Um, I think I read the website and it said like by the end of the day you find out. Oh wow! You'll find out today. 
I think. Don't quote me on that. Whoa. Well, that's exciting. I hope so. All right. Well, we'll stay tuned. Uh, she's on. She's on Twitter, of course, at Roxy Fighter. And also, yes. you still do. A, you still do a MySpace blog. Is that accurate? No, I left. I oh, okay. MySpace, but I have a blog on my website, uh, RoxanneModafferi.net. Yes. So I update that very frequently. Lots of pictures, cool stuff, geeky stuff, fighting stuff, Japanese stuff. So that's how I, I always links on my blog. And, I mean, uh, on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. That's how I find out, found out that you were trying out for the show. I, I love your blogs. They're great. Thank you. And uh, I know you, you inquired. Maybe we'll do a swap. You hook me up with a fan. I'll give you a, uh, a Helwani nose shirt. What do you think? <gasps> I, I, I didn't realize you didn't have a fan yet. All right. I'm going to send you a care package. Do you have a Helwani <laughs> nose shirt? I really want a Helwani nose shirt. I have one with your name on it. Hopefully in your UFC debut, you can rock it. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, Roxanne, I appreciate it. Good luck to you. We're pulling for you. Thank you very much. I know it's kind of a tense time, so I appreciate you stopping by and uh, giving us a few minutes this is of your my time. Tense face. Yes, I sense it. But hey, we only talked to one person trying out today, and uh, well, you know that should be uh, at least for us. It was great that you stopped by, and we we, we okay. thank the UFC, thank them as well for allowing you to jump on their computer there and uh, doing the interview with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, there she is. Roxanne Modafferi trying out for the Ultimate Fighter Season 18 in Las Vegas right now. Eight men, eight women coming to a reality show near you. Okay, uh, let's finish up the questions, then we'll go to the faces, then we'll end off with Rick's picks. Sounds good. Um, right before we left the questions, we were talking about um, refereeing, right? Am I correct? The well, I, I, I wanted to get your take. Sure. Should it have been illegal or were you okay with the stoppage? Uh, not the stoppage, but, you know, he clearly hit him in the back of the head. Sure. But it happened as he was going down. Ref was a little late to get in there. Should he be DQ'd or are you okay with the fact that he was already out? You know, it happens. Uh, I think he should not be DQ'd. I, I'm okay with I'm okay with that being the way it works. Because um, if the referee had stopped him before that, um, the illegal blows wouldn't have occurred. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that's free reign to just drop illegal blows whenever you want. But intent is important, and obviously, he wasn't trying to land illegal shots. Um, he had knocked him out already with legal shots, and, and I think that that was very clear. And, and that's what makes me okay with it. It was very clear that the shots that he landed to knock him out were legal, and his intent wasn't to land those illegal shots. Um, so I'm okay with it standing as a win, and, and I think he deserves it. Yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, I kind of think, like, you know, what, what if someone's, you know, kicking someone, and then the guy falls and he accidentally kicks him, you know, below the belt? What happens? I don't know. Tough one. Tough one. All right, let's move along. <clears throat> Hold on one second. There we are. Our next question comes from Matt Dumk or Dumke. <clears throat> what do you make of John Jones? What do you make of John Jones's ability to promote a fight? During the tough finale interview, John appeared disinterested. Oh, man, I, I, this one surprised me because I said afterwards that, that was, that's the interview that got me interested or re-interested in this fight, maybe even just interested, to be honest. That was one of John Jones's best interviews. No nonsense. At that point, he is sick and tired of Chael Sonnen. That's what he was saying. Chael was you know, being Chael. He was doing his thing. John wanted nothing to do with him, couldn't even look at him in the eye. Uh, in the eyes, he was you know, kind of swinging his arms. Didn't want to hear anything that he was saying. Didn't want to interact with him. Didn't want to play along. I loved it. What I, what I had a problem with 
was at the beginning of all of this, you know, they were doing media tours together, they were joking together, they were on the Ultimate Fighter, all that stuff. And it kind of ruined it. Because remember, when this fight happened, it was because of Chael calling him out, criticizing him, all this stuff. The tweets, you know, there was tension there. And I felt like some of it was lost. That interview got me right back into it. And I couldn't believe so many people were saying it was a horrible interview, that it was awkward. No, it was great. It was brilliant. It, it, it was fascinating to watch. And that's what fighting is all about. Now I want to see how much does John Jones truly hate Chael Sonnen. How uncomfortable is John Jones around Chael Sonnen? And what's he going to do to him come April 27th? I thought it was great. I thought it was one of John's best interviews. And that is to me, that's promoting a fight. That's promoting a fight genuinely. You don't like him. You want to beat him up. You don't want to look at him or talk to him. Our next question comes from Josh Kuypers. In the upcoming UFC on Fox 8, Strikeforce versus UFC, which organization will come away with the most wins? Well, first off, it's UFC on Fox 7. Yes. Um, all right. Well, we've got Benson, Gill, Frank, Mir, Cormier, Nate Diaz, Josh Thompson, Matt Brown, Jordan Meehan. Those are four fights. What else do we have as far as? We've got Larkin, Carmon, Masvidal, Means, Bowling, and Jokuani, Starks, Romero. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight fights. Based on that, I won't tell you my picks, but I'll tell you. And that one, that one, one, two. I could see it, honestly. I could see it being 4 4. What about you? Can you read them off one by one and then I'll, I'll give a pick? Benson Melendez. Benson. Cormier Mir. Cormier. So that's one to one. Diaz Thompson. Thompson. Dang. Uh, Matt Brown, Jordan Meehan. Meehan. So that's three to one right now? Yep. Strike force. Yep. Masvidal means? Masvidal. Four to one. All right. So they're, they're kind of running away with it. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's see. Uh, Carmel Larkin. Larkin. Dang. So five to one. Starks Romero. I think I'm going, I'm going to go with Romero. Okay. Uh, that's six to one and Enjo Kwani bowling. Interesting one, one fifty five debut. I'm gonna go with Anthony, so that's that's one of the UFC's favorite. So six six to two for strike force. Yeah, that might change, but I that's that's my gut feeling on those right now, yeah. Alright. Well there you have it. It's gonna be fun. I like it. I wish every fight was strike force versus UFC. I could see four four. But you won't say which four, correct? <clears throat> No, you know why? Because then I get crap for it. It's just not okay. worth it. It's okay, we're moving it. on to the next one. Ah, oh, jeez. <clears throat> the next one comes from Champ Tran. Who has a better chance at a title shot, Cormier or Josh Thompson? Well, clearly, we think that you both have. Uh, you think that both of them have a chance. Who has a better chance? I'm going to say Cormier. I agree with that. Less people in the division, 155 stacked, and I don't know. You know, I, I, I just, the problem is, where will it be? 205 heavyweight. I think if he wins this fight, he kind of has his, his choice. It's going to be very interesting to see what Cormier does, but I'll go with Cormier. Agree. 
Thomas Clark asks our next question. Which fighter stands a better chance of dethroning the champion, Chris Weidman or Johnny Hendricks? Gosh, these are tough. Um, Weidman? I think I'm going to go Hendricks. Wow, you know what? Yeah, I don't know. I think they both have great chances. I think they're both the best, the best threat, the biggest threat to the champion in a very long time. So the, it was the biggest threat. The fact that this is even a question yeah. means that we're in a good place. Very good place um, for both those divisions right now. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Weidman just for kicks. Your boyfriend. Yeah. <clears throat> this is our last question. Yeah. Margarito Roman Jr. Who should Demi and Maya fight? Looks like all the top guys are booked. You know, I was actually trying to figure this out myself because they announced Safadine versus Lawler. They announced Jake Ellenberger versus Roy McDonald. And I can't really think of anyone. The only two that come to mind as far as in the top 10, I really thought that he was going to fight Safadine. I thought that made the most sense. Only two that I could think of, Martin Catman, which I don't really think makes a lot of sense, or Condit, who's coming off two losses. I don't think that makes a lot of sense. Of course, those two losses were against two of the best in you know, GSP and Johnny Hendricks. If I had to guess right now, unless there's some secret injury we don't know about, I'm going to say Carlos Condit. I like that. But I thought he was going to fight Safadine. I thought that made the most sense. He was asking for it. He wanted it. Just made, I don't know. I just, it was surprising that they gave Lawler Safadine. We'll wait and see. Some good questions today. I forgot to mention that we have one more Helwani No shirt here in studio to give away. And I thought, uh, I thought the last two were particularly good. You want to go with the Weidman, uh, the Weidman Hendricks one? That sounds good. We'll be in touch. All right. Congratulations. That was a tough one. I still don't know what the answer is. Weidman has a very good chance. They fight in July. We don't know when Hendricks GSP is. They're fighting later on this year. Two very good uh, opponents, but I think New York Rick said it best. We're in a very good spot. It's interesting. Big threats. Um, you want to do these mirror faces? Yes, let's do the mirror faces. Uh, I was just wondering, is there an update on uh, the, the Boston situation? I believe so. Give me one second to, to get the info. Okay. Just in case someone's listening overseas or something. Um. In a second, we'll, we'll look at your Frank Mirror face uh, submissions. Thank you very much to Scott for stopping by. Uh, and, and giving those to us, they're amazing. What do you got? No update in terms of um, the people harmed or anything like that, but there was a, an, a fire in the JFK library, and um, they found an explosive that was undetonated. Um, so obviously it shows the coordination of an attack, um, but nothing else in terms of casualties or anything like that. All right. All right. Thanks, man. Um, what, what do we got here? We got good ones? Yeah, we've got a lot. I had to, I actually had to cut some out this time. That's good. how many we got. That's good. I like that. Um, now, at stake, everyone knows that great Benson Henderson drawing. Let me show it one more time. All right, show it one more time. Here we are. Scott Cohn, fantastic artist, as you can see. That's amazing. It's a great picture, and uh, he deserves some love. All right, what do we got? Our first one. Is that an actual... What is that? Is that John Jones? Is that John Jones? 
No, that's our friend Darnell. It actually looks like a John. It looks like a Photoshop of John Jones, like in a ghost. No, am I wrong? No comment here. But what? that's Darnell. What? Okay. Oh, well, here I see. I don't really think he looks much like John Jones. I but, think he uh, looks exactly like John Jones. Okay. Uh, that's the uh, that's the Brock Lesnar Frank Mir. Fight. We've right. we've got a few of the Photoshop oh, variety. We'll see about that. All right. What um, else we got? Okay. Oh, let me let me zoom out a little bit so we get the full head there. Oh, okay. Um, no, notice no motorcycle. Cars are safer. That's a good comment. But I also like that he he has the huh like the yeah like I don't really like really yeah that's that's perfect the yeah. really really face yeah like come on this is a stupid question you're asking so that's a good one okay now here we've got wow. a throwback to the to the Lesnar mirror that's fight. pretty amazing. By the way, do you think he... That's what I'd love to know. Yeah, there's a few of these, and I'm not sure that they were made for this show. I can't tell. But that's impressive. But it's very good. Okay. Let me zoom out. That's the classic Danny Castillo. This is the real mirror face. Yeah. We got a real contender. Yeah, but I don't think he nailed it. Oh, don't worry. There's plenty of hats uh, with the confused look. Okay. Like, Like, really? Here's another... Here's another. Uh, okay, well, Lesnar the other guy mirror. beats him just because he had the blood. Okay. Right? This guy. Wow, he actually we're, has a very similar toque. Yeah, we're getting warm. And, and he claims this was his idea from last week. I believe that's correct, actually. Check uh, Twitter. I did check Twitter, um, and there was one suggestion for Benson Henderson, and there was one for Frank Mir, and I believe that Josh was the one. Josh Carey, congratulations. Okay. But I'm not sure if you won. Oh, look at this. The many faces of. At work again, this time with the Frank Mir face. Notice that I haven't even tweeted since the last contest. This is Ruben Vera. I like his top one. Oh, he, he did old school Frank Mir. Yeah. I think that this might be my leader so far. Really? Okay. I think this one because or the blood on the face. You can see the corner of the mouth is the only bit that moved. He's so, he's so unamused. Yeah, he's like, really? Please. Wow. Well, did Boss Rune do a Frank Mir face? I don't know if he was doing a Frank Mir face, but he definitely incorporated <laughs> um, Rune. A, a nice, a nice uh, comparison shot. designs. Wow. It's quite the beard as well. Impressive. Yeah. All right, what else? Oh, I like this one. This is not the classic Mir, but this is a very good Honestly, that, that's that's a, that's a really good Frank Mir face. I mean, he picked a, he picked that. I've seen Mirror make that face many times. Well, I don't know. You know, it's just one of those things. So is this your front runner? I'll, I'll put those three at the top right now. Okay. Let's zoom in. That one is kind of like, what are you looking at? Like, like, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Not take. feeling it, huh? The mouth is very key here. And I don't think Joshua Guthrie nailed the mouth. Fair enough. Now, this is a different mirror face. Old school mirror. Very old school. Very old school. Looks like a welterweight. Looks like Diego Sanchez. I do appreciate it, but it's not the classic Frank Mir face. Completely agree. Wow. Holy moly. Now, we've got a few of these, um, which I think are done well. Very, very artistic. Very artistic, black and white, but that's not the Frank Mir face. 
it's a copy of a Frank Mir face, but it's not what you think of when you think of the Frank Mir face, right? Sure. You know, it's a nice try right here, AJ Rodriguez, but the mouth is key, and I don't think he nailed the mouth. I think he did. I think, I think it's so subtle that you can't even tell. It's not subtle enough, if you know what I'm saying. Okay, fair enough. Wow, now, this is this that is, actually looks like Frank Mir. I agree. This is this is the throwback to the to the other yeah. face. Dan. Mick, McVie. McVie. I think I think he has another submission. Let me see. Oh, oh, here, here he is with the hat. Yeah. Actually, looks like Frank Mir. Gosh, these are tough. I know you're always partial to the people who, who look know. alike. I know. Yeah, it's true. All right, what else you got? Whoa. Where's this picture from? I don't know. Everyone seems to like it. It's funny that people are using that one. I thought they'd all be copying the, the Danny Castillo one. Yeah, we got we got a lot of these, but we also got quite a few hats. Um, wool hat. All right, what else? Pictures. That one's... That you know that mouth is better. Very. This one's very good in my opinion. Gosh, it's very subtle. And he didn't dress it up with a you know, but it's, I like it. Yeah. Gosh, I don't know what I'm gonna do here. All right, what else we got? I can tell already you're not feeling it. No, not feeling it. But I appreciate it. And his name is Beard Hero Ben. <laughs> Well, he did two mirror faces. No, neither of them the the classic, but <laughs> it looks like he's like in a library or something. Um, <laughs> the one on the bottom is just ridiculous. How do you find that picture? I he don't said, know. He says he googled it. Top pick is from my Twitter, Mir's Twitter. Bottom is where googling Frank Mir face gets you. Oh, the, that's maybe his Twitter profile. The top one. Maybe. Okay. What else? I'm waiting for a home run. Whoa. Kids. Getting the kids involved. Miami Nation. <laughs> I think this wins. This is the home run. That's incredible. Look at the daughter. The daughter nailed it. The daughter did the best one. The daughter sure. nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> the daughter nailed it. They got the mouth exactly. Let's, let's go through the rest of these, but okay, I agree. Okay. The okay. That's number one. Joshua Heiser. Oh, that guy's a longtime fan of the show. Yes. We've like talked to him before. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, this one's really good, wow. but I don't know if this was made for our show. That's the thing. That's incredible. What does it say? Quit eating my goddamn strawberries. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Santa um, bro. Famous internet meme. Is it? Yeah, this, this picture of Frank Mir with quit eating my goddamn strawberries. Oh, I never saw that. Um, but I, I, I appreciate this one greatly. It's just that I don't know if this was made for us. Yeah. Jamie Varner. Uh, I see it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's too much. Too much. Yeah. Oh, my man Lee was tweeting me a lot uh, this morning about this. Um, I appreciate that he's got the picture holding it up. I'm not sure. It's 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 a tilt of the head. It's a tilt of the mouth. I'm not sure if he nailed it. <laughs> These are the last two. These are from our buddy Sean, who who never fails to deliver. Missing horseshoe last seen at UFC 100. If found, please return to. <laughs> now he also goes with the reference, which is great. 
What's the horseshoe? Uh, Brock Lesnar oh, said that horseshoe Frank Mir had a horseshoe up, horseshoe up oh his Oh, my ass. God. That is unbelievable. So This so guy never disappoints. Never. Never disappoints. He has one more, too. <laughs> He's doing the Frank Mir face, and at the bottom, Jackson's teammate, <laughs> John Dodson. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he actually gets it very well. Sean wins all the internets, <laughs> but I don't think he wins the Frank Mir yeah. face. Jackson. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I love this guy. This guy's great. Amazing. So that's it? I'm thinking uh, our friend Joshua Heiser yeah, and, and his win. lovely uh, children. Yeah, they win. Congratulations. You win the, uh, the Benson Henderson drawing. Yeah, one more time. Twitter.com slash Scott underscore Cone underscore art. Cone is spelled C-O-H-N. Uh, Scottcone.blogspot.com. And Facebook.com slash Scott.cone.art. And... We appreciate everyone submitting them. We'll have more. It seems like people are really liking this, so thank you very much. And the good news is we have three more of those. So if you didn't win this week, there's always next week. All right. Let's, uh, let's finish up. We got the questions out of the way. We got the Frank Mir faces out of the way. Um, no controversy thus far this week, so it sounds like we're not going to make it on the mainstream news unless New York Rick does something crazy. What do you got? Rick's picks. How'd you do on, on the weekend? Uh, just an update on the Boston Marathon thing. Okay. We have uh, the numbers reported right now are 22 wounded and two dead. Oh. Unfortunately. And possibly a third explosion. A, th- a new one? Yes. Wow. So this is turning yeah. pretty horrific. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's get going. And, uh, I, you know, you kind of feel weird even talking about MMA at this point. Um, so we certainly don't begrudge you if you stop listening or want to listen later or anything like that. I'd certainly be watching the news right now, but uh, let's finish up the show. And again, uh, certainly our hearts and prayers are with everyone that's involved in this. This is horrible. And, I, and I'm going to read up about it the second we finish. So let's finish up here. Well said. <clears throat> okay. Um, so last week, or at, rather this weekend, I only put down one bet. Um, it was Misha Tate parlayed with Uriah Faber. And unfortunately, Misha Tate couldn't um, come through. She she lost to Kat Zingano. So I lost um, the 25 that I bet on that. And I'm down to around 115 now. Uh, entering the home stretch. We've got two events left. Two events. Yep. Two UFC events. Correct. Yeah. Um, so let's look at this card this weekend. Benson Henderson versus Gilbert Melendez, the main event. Benson is a minus 270 favorite, and Melendez is plus 230. Um, My initial reaction is that I actually think there's some value on Henderson here. I don't think that Gilbert has anything that he can really bring to Benson that is going to be something he hasn't either seen before or doesn't do better. Um, Gilbert's great at, you know, at boxing, being, being very aggressive, and combining that with his takedowns, which, which he's very good at. But that said, Benson is, in my opinion, slightly better in those areas. So I don't see Gilbert being able to, to do much to Benson. I think that Benson's going to win rather easily, um, and I do see some value there uh, at minus 270 for Benson Henderson. Mm. Wow. Um, you usually don't go that, uh, that far into the 200s and things like that. Yeah, but I, I, I really think that Benson has an advantage in almost every single area for this fight, and, and I... I his last fight was one of the most impressive performances I've ever seen in MMA. Um, just the way he completely dismantled uh, Nate Diaz. So I, I'm, I'm heavy on Benson for this one. 
All right. Next one, Daniel Cormier and Frank Mir. Cormier is a minus 430 favorite, and Frank wow. Mir is plus 345. Holy moly. Now, I've been, you know, banging the Cormier drum for a long time here, and I, and I do think that Cormier is going to win this fight, and I don't think it's going to be all that competitive, but I think that minus 430 is an absurd line for somebody who hasn't fought in the UFC yet. Now, granted, he's faced, you know, some very high-level competition and looked very impressive doing it, but I just think that you can't give a guy who hasn't fought in the octagon that big an advantage on the betting line uh, against a guy who's fought in the octagon for this long, Frank Mir. And, and the other thing is Frank Mir's resume speaks for itself. Um, he submitted, or rather didn't submit because Big Nog didn't tap. Right. He submitted Big Nog and knocked out Big Nog. If, if you can claim that on your resume, there's, there's nothing else that needs to be said. And, and the, the list of fighters he's, he's beaten goes on and on. So um, I think that this line is a little off, but I, I will not be betting on Frank Mir here just because I'm so confident in Cormier, and I think that he's going to win. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't like the value on Cormier here. But my pick is obviously Cormier. I think that he's going to prove himself to be an elite heavyweight, if not the best. I say he's the best heavyweight in the world, actually. Wow. Better than Kane? In my opinion, yes. I'd love to see that fight. Um, so, that's, so that's that fight, but I, I'm completely staying away from it unless there's some kind of prop that I like uh, in favor of Cormier. Okay. Now, as I previewed earlier, yeah. I think that Josh Thompson is going to beat Nate Diaz. Wow. Uh, Nate Diaz is a minus 200 favorite. Thompson is plus 170. Now so you're all over this. I'm going to be on Thompson because I think that while Diaz, and, I, and remember that I picked Diaz against Henderson. Um, while I think that Diaz has the advantage in the stand-up, I think that Thompson's going to use his, his takedowns and his wrestling um, to control this fight. I think he's going to stand long enough that it's going to be a competitive fight. Uh, Nate's going to get his opportunities, but I think that Thompson's just going to mix the game up a little better um, and be able to take Diaz down um, when he needs to, and I think that that's going to win him this fight. Now, it's going to be competitive, as I said, because he's going to stand long enough for Diaz to get his chances, but I think that Thompson's going to edge him out in the end. Wow. I haven't seen a lot of people pick Thompson. I'm curious to see how healthy he is. Health has always been an issue for him. That's that's a factor that I have to consider, but at at this point, I'm on Thompson. All right. Um, that, those are the only ones with betting odds. For no, right me now. in. No, there's no odds out for that. No. Um, but I, but I'll talk about that fight. I I'm a very big um, fan of Jordan Meehan and Matt Brown. Actually, I think that this is one of the best fights uh, of the year. And I think that in the end, Meehan's gonna gonna pull it out. Brown's gonna try and make it dirty. He's gonna try and you know take him down, box with him. A Matt Brown fight goes everywhere. And, and he's talented everywhere. But I just think that Mian's so good, um, as, he sho- as he showed getting out of the, uh, the submission from Dan Miller, that his ground game isn't a weakness, um, as strong as his stand-up is. So I think that he's going to be able to withstand uh, Brown's aggression, and eventually um, I think he might even finish him. Uh, I think that Jordan Mian is, is one of the top prospects in MMA and, and ex- extremely talented. And I think that he's going to win. So I'd be very interested to see the betting line on this one. I wouldn't be surprised if it was close um, because Brown is on such a roll right now and he is such a good fighter. Uh, but I'm on Mian for this one. All right. Uh, Mendez Elkins. Uh, I like Mendez here. I think he's going to be a big favorite. 
even though Elkins has a very, very impressive resume, I think that Mendez is rightfully going to be a big favorite, and I probably won't play it uh, if it turns out that way. Now, if the fight is close, I'm going to be on Mendez for sure. I think that's an interesting fight, especially considering the fact that Elkins is coming off uh, a win not too long ago, but he didn't really fight all that long. So I don't think that'll be a huge factor. Huge fight for him. He could take a real big step at 145, but I still think Mendez is maybe two or three at 145. I don't think he gets a lot of love. It's like when you lose to the champion, all of a sudden you fall. Even in the UFC rankings, Chelsea is like eight or nine at middleweight. How does that make any sense? Yeah, but I mean, rightfully so. Chad Mendez is, is a stud. Yeah. So. Um, I'm I'm gonna be on Mendez, but I gotta see the line. I hope his goat's okay. <laughs> um, next fight, let's see. We got Carmel and Lorenz Larkin. As I said, I was I was favoring Larkin. Um, I don't know who's gonna be the betting favorite here. I wouldn't be surprised if it was close. Um, similarly, um, athletic. You know what? Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, Carmel might try and take this to the ground. Hmm. Oh, you may change your pick. I may ch- I may change to Francis on this one. Wow. It, it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait for the betting line to come out before I declare one way or the other. But um, if, if Francis gets this to the ground, it, it could be a problem for Lorenz. But I think standing up, uh, Lorenz is, is, is going to take this fight. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be interested to see the betting line on this one. And this one's ripe for prop bets as well. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. All right. I'll do the rest on on Twitter. Um, Nothing you feel strongly about. There are just so many big names on this card, so many it's a fights. It's great card. I, I can't even just break down every single one. No, so. I know. Uh, it, 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 is, it is loaded. Uh, the, the, the Facebook prelims, they begin at around 4 p.m. Eastern. Clifford Starks versus Yoel Romero. Uh, I actually spoke to Romero last week. He hasn't fought since his Feijal loss in Strikeforce, had neck surgery, so looking forward to seeing him back. Roger Bowling versus Anthony and Joe Kwani. TJ Dillashaw versus Hugo Viana. That's just the Facebook prelims. Then on FX, we've got Darren Elkins versus Chad Mendez, Francis Carmont versus Lorenz Larkin, Miles Jury versus Ramsey Nijem, George Masvidal, Jorge Masvidal, I should say, versus Tim Means. I asked him. He likes to be called Jorge. That's Actually, he said he'll go with both, but Jorge is what it really should be against Tim Means. Remember, Tim Means uh, suffered a concussion, hit his head in the sauna 24 hours before his fight at UFC on Fox 5. He returns. And uh, Joseph Benavidez versus Darren Uye Noyama. And then main card, Brown Mian, Diaz Thompson, Mir Cormier, Henderson Melendez. That's UFC on Fox 7. Arguably their best one. If you haven't seen Road to the Octagon, we have it on MMAfighting.com right now. That was one of their best ones. I thought they did a great job with that. Anything else? That's it. All right. Uh, you can hit my music, Mike. Well, uh, again, feels a little weird talking about MMA, kind of seeing some of this stuff here, and uh, it's heartbreaking, horrible. It, it just seems like one tragedy after the next these days, and uh, not sure about the specifics or anything like that, but again, our prayers go out to those affected, and uh, hopefully this story doesn't get even worse so everyone in boston hope you're safe and uh and 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 hopefully we don't get even more bad news regarding the situation over in boston and the boston marathon today i want to thank everyone who stopped by i want to thank everyone who sent in tweets pictures questions we really appreciate the the interaction and the support 
It's great each and every week. I want to thank Kelvin Gaslam for stopping by. Congratulations to him on his big win on Saturday night. The winner of the 17th season of The Ultimate Fighter, the youngest winner to boot. Looking forward to what he does. Kat Singano, congratulations to her. And uh, good luck as you prepare for Ronda Rousey and uh, get ready to be a coach on The Ultimate Fighter Season 18. John Crouch, looking forward to that fight against Benson Henderson. Good to give him some, some rub, some time in the sun, I should say, some attention. He deserves it most definitely. CM Punk, as he mentioned, check him out on WWE Monday Night Raw tonight at 9 p.m., 8 p.m. Eastern, I should say, on USA Network. Always appreciate his insight. You can tell he is a huge fan. It's a lot of fun to hear and listen to. Um, Lorenz Larkin, good luck to him in his UFC debut on Saturday. And Tommy Tohold, congratulations on all your success. Good luck. Also, Ulysses Gomez, Roxanne Montefiore, good luck to them. We really appreciate it. Next week, same time and place. We'll see you then. Thank you so much. Peace. Somebody here.